leaving Gandalf, it doesn't matter. Oh, we're on episode 55. Nice. That's right, 55. This is historic. This is a historic thing. Okay. Uh, you wanna you wanna start us off? Sure. Ready? Yeah. My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm William O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 55 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. And today we have uh, not-so-special guests Evan Valella and Carp. Did you say not-so-special? Yeah, and I said that in the sense that you guys aren't, like, outside of the Cinepunks family. You guys so are we're not special? Well, yeah, you're special, Evan, but you're not... Okay, I mean, maybe saying not-so-special doesn't imply your specialness. First you break my rib. I know. Then you drop my interview. <laughs> this is the first yeah, time that me and special. Evan are hanging out since I broke his rib at This Is Hardcore. I don't know that we talked... Did we talk about that on this show? I don't think we did. Let's just start off with this little piece of news. Josh broke Evan's rib. By so hugging well. him. Carp, how do you feel about that? So Evan and I worked together, for those that don't know, so I only had to hear about it every day for like three weeks because people kept coming up to him being like, hey man, how's your rib? And Evan would just go... Hurts. <laughs> Still the same as it was yesterday. I wow. Like, I like the idea. So, that, like, Carp, did you know that it was me who broke that shit? Ah, oh, man. Everybody. Does everybody know that I'm the one who broke your shit? Everybody knows. Ah, oh, man. I like the idea that uh, people kept coming to Evan for more information, even though the information would always be the same. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I even want to picture someone coming back at, like a third time. Like, How's your rib doing, man? It hurts. Okay, cool. I can't, I can't sleep well. I can't breathe. Thank nice. you for asking. But I do think it's important to say, like, we say special guests, and this is not an insult to our special guests, but they are not cinepunks. Like, no. Special no, guests no, no. are... They're are, outside the circle, but they're... I mean, they're friends. They're, they're on the they're show. Good enough. But there's, the circle is, is close. They're allowed to live. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But y'all are fam, fam. I'm saying fam. That's what you guys Did are. Did you just say I'm outside the circle? No, dude. Are you paying attention? No. <laughs> You're gonna miss stuff then. <laughs> so it's been a while. We, I think up front we should say, hey, it's been really hectic for for you. You've gone through a lot of stuff. In I, think the past we'll do, weeks I think we'll since do. I think we'll do. I think we'll do a brief run through. But up front, I just want to say, like, welcome back for people, uh, and welcome back to us for finally recording. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, been yeah, a bit yeah. Since this is hardcore, and I know that we got a lot of new followers, and I don't know if that's gonna. I think that'll translate to new listeners. I guess we'll find out with episode 55. <laughs> we'll see. If that translates to new listeners. So, uh, <laughs> uh, But if you are a new listener, welcome. We're so yeah. glad you're here. We're happy that you're listening. We hope that you like what you hear. <laughs> uh, this is the section where if you are a potential sponsor, we talk about your product. Uh-huh. Which we don't have anything I, to talk about right I'm now. I was just going to say, I just ate some blackbird wings and they were delicious. <laughs> this is delightful. Shout out to Kelly. And we had a, I had a slice of pizza too. If you're in... Uh, if you're in Philadelphia and you want to get some delicious vegan wings, <laughs> I'm not even a vegan. I don't even. I don't. I barely even respect vegan food. It's like not even a thing that I care about. And yet, those wings are good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So see that we could do that for your product. Uh huh. Dick. Oops. <laughs> Small nominal fee. We could do that for you. Uh, I, I will say um, we're gonna. You might notice there's a little, little bit of rustling as I give the mic to Carp. Sometimes we're short a mic cord. So me and Carp are sharing, which is a little awkward because yeah. we keep putting it like directly in his mouth. They're both speaking into it like you would imagine uh, two members of a rock band sharing one microphone are. The only thing we're not is we're not like back to back. Like we're all we're, like you're not playing rhythm guitar and I'm not lead guitar. Everyone's like really jamming. Like we're in like some really cool dad rock band. Like oh I'm feeling the solo man. That's what we need. 
That is I'm, not happening, I'm but now, I wish it were happening. I'm now so insecure because we're not. <laughs> I like feel actually bad about the fact that we're not doing that. Um, okay, so also at the gates, I just want to thank everybody who participated in this is hardcore episode. Yeah, we had a lot of people stop by. A and lot talk of people stop by and talk to us, and a lot of people listen to it. So thank you for sharing it. Thanks you for listening to it. And participating if that's what you did. I mean, I think uh, it's definitely not our most downloaded ever, but over a period of time, it was one of our most downloaded in the span of a month. Right. So that was huge for us. Yeah. Uh, I think the only one that comes close is the Joe Hardcore episode. Which was also a great episode. Yep. So, you know. So just to let people know, uh, after This Is Hardcore, I had a lot of things going on. You did? You had to move? Uh, Well, yeah. So I went to the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest. Right. Big shout out to Josh Goldblum and to everyone I met there. I'm hoping that some of the people I talked to at Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest are now checking out Cinepunks. That would be great. That'd be um, cool. I got to finally meet director Izzy Lee, who I did an episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man with. And then she, uh, one of her short films was in the in Bruce the, Campbell Horror yeah. Film Fest. And it was great because I met her and she like, it didn't click for her who I was. And I was like, Izzy, oh, it's so good to meet you. And she's like, Hey, hey. <laughs> I was like, oh, we did Eric Roberts. And she's like, ah. She's the, she's really cool. What um, movie was hers? What was it called? Oh, way to put me on the spot. Oh, I don't know. man. Here we go with I don't the think internet thing. I don't, think don't she's, do again. I don't think she's going to be mad at me because she knows. I think she's not listening to us. No. <laughs> yes. Because this. she'll never hear this. Why would she ever listen to this? No. I think she, even if she does hear this, she won't be mad because she knows I missed her film. Oh. Because I had to work the table. And this nice. happened, unfortunately, a few times at the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest is I missed movies because I had to work the table and sell tickets, whatever. So I missed it. But I do have a poster of it. Okay. Uh, so I'll know it as soon as I get that poster up on my wall because she signed it. <laughs> Did you get to meet Fred Decker? So I got to meet Fred Decker. Was awesome. Nice. How was he? Uh, he is the best. Like, he was funny. His wife, I met his wife as well, also funny. They just uh, basically busted my balls the whole way after I picked him up at the airport, just made fun of me, and it was great. <laughs> and uh, and then I got to give him a few more rides, and he's just a charming, nice guy and very appreciative. Like, you know, a lot of people who have made films, whether those mm-hmm. films are huge or not, have like a bit of an attitude and Fred Decker is the most gracious charming just like loves that you care about Night of the Creeps and you care about Monster Squad right. willing to talk about them willing to uh, be friendly with fans and, and all of that stuff so all the things you'd want from him he is as well as being you know insightful and, and interesting or whatever but uh, it was great to meet him it was great to hang out with the two of the people that helped out with the fest are the creative team behind He Never Died Ah. Yeah, the uh, producer and director. Uh, and we're actually going to, I think, try to have them on Cinepunk somehow. Awesome. Yeah, so um, they're just the cool. I I could just go on and on. I mean, obviously, I owe the most to Josh Goldblum because it's his fest, and he put me on to help out, and he's just really great. But uh, I met a lot of cool people, really really friendly people. I got to meet Barbara Crampton. That was cool. Nice. Like. Just a lot of awesome. So that that was awesome. And then immediately after that, both me and my wife got horribly sick. I was incapacitated <laughs> for 48 hours. Like, it was like out the mouth, out the butt. Man. I, someone kill me, please. Like, it was terrible. Wow. And then immediately after that, I went back to work, and then I moved. Yeah. And then the school year started, and I work at a college. Jesus Christ. So it's crazy. I yeah. mean, and big ups to Lafayette, too. I, I haven't talked about it much on the show because I don't. I didn't know how it was going to go, and I didn't know. And, and I don't think anyone at the school really knows I do this podcast, and I, I'll probably keep it that way for a while. Yeah. But I'm actually so happy with 
what's going on there. I mean, the job is a little scary in some ways, but I'm just happy to be doing it. So I'm happy to say, like, Lafayette's great. And if someone is checking this out and they're like, oh, this is this guy that works at my college, <laughs> it's cool. You can tell your friends. It's fine. In addition, you're also having the baby. Oh, yeah, and Susan's pregnant. So I don't okay. think we announced that for Cinepunks, did we? No, I don't think we did. Maybe hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to be a dad. Dude. It's weird. Amazing. Are you stoked? I'm excited, but I think I'm also terrified. And I think Susan's okay with that. Like, she's not yeah. like, just tell people it's great. Like, I think she <laughs> understands that it is it is great, but it's also scary. It's not yeah. an easy thing. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think we should get started. Do you want to talk sure. about any... Does you guys want to talk about anything you've done recently? Other than... Or do we just want to do the Wacken on Track? Sure. I think it might be time for... Wacken on, on Track! So, Evan, would you like to start? It's cool, Evan. Yeah, just man. Just accept it. Man. Carp, would you be willing to start? Yeah, he's ready. All right. Give it to us. Well, car. here's the problem. I don't think I have anything that is either whack or on track right now. Uh, I got one question for you, Carp. Who okay. saw Guitar Wolf last night? I did go see Guitar Wolf. What the last fuck, night. man? How are you going to leave that out? I don't know. I mean, then you know, I don't know if the listeners are big Guitar Wolf fans or Dude, whatever. Dude, is Carp Yo. a big Guitar Wolf fan? Yes. Then get on it, Carp. The listeners are big fans of what we fucking tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Good carp. How's how's Guitar Wolf? Yo, Guitar Wolf last night probably put on one of the craziest shows I've ever seen. Right. Um, have you seen them before? I have not, right. and I only knew about it because R Five tweeted about it, and I like I am to Evan at work. I was like, "Holy shit, Guitar Wolf's playing tonight! I should really go see them." Yeah. Uh, they played for an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty minutes straight. Jesus Christ. Uh, it was this one of the sickest sets I've ever seen a band play. It was also one of the loudest sets I've ever seen a band play. Nice. Uh, general, who, who else played with them? I couldn't tell you because I didn't see them. Right. I showed up. I think Dark Thoughts opened. Dark Thoughts oh. did open. You're all right. Some, Some other Philly. band that I've never heard of. I missed Dark Thoughts and then I caught like the last five minutes of that other band. Uh, and Guitar Wolf came out all wearing T-Rex masks. <laughs> and then they couldn't see the stage so they were stumbling all over the place because they probably also had a couple beverages at, in them at that point. Alcoholic. Alcoholic, probably. Beverages. Probably. Right. Among other things. <laughs> uh, only to take them off and have their sunglasses still be worn. And then they played just, I don't even know how many songs. Maybe, Good lord. Maybe 40, it felt like. Did you like the Guitar Wolf movie? Uh, which one? The zombie one? Yeah, Wild Zero. I think I only watched half of that because Tony Pointless put that on in like... I forget where I watched it, but it was definitely Tony Pointless going... Yo, man, we should really watch this Guitar Wolf movie right now. <laughs> and then we got, like, halfway through it, and then everyone was like, yeah, I don't feel like watching this anymore. It's too much to pay attention to. Let's watch uh, fail videos. So right. we watched, like, fail videos for, like, two hours after that. That movie rules, though. Do you guys see that movie? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Never seen it. You've never seen it? Oh, it's super-duper fun. It's, like, terrible, but it's, like, fun terrible, you know? Mm. But, but Guitar Wolf was sick. Yeah. Well, at one point, he just walked up to his amp and turned up every knob all the way up and then just ripped it was so cool. It's It was the loudest thing I've ever seen, without a doubt. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really happy I got to cross the awesome. cross. I didn't think they were ever, ever going to tour around here again. So, did they have any sick T-shirts? They did, but they were like all youth sizes, which was really <laughs> weird. So I didn't buy anything. Right, right, right. Fair enough. But other than that, a plus show. Uh, so I'm that glad, was totally I'm, on track. Yeah, I'm really glad that I wore earplugs. Nice. Yeah. Is, is there any other on-track stuff that you've done recently? No, that's about it. That's about it. How, how's your summer been? I haven't, We haven't even had you on the show for so long. Like, what? what no, it's been? been two months. Two months? Seems long. Why'd you hit me? 
Because we haven't had you on for so long. I was, like, <laughs> I was expressing my frustration that we haven't gotten to, like, sick hang and, you know, touch each other's butts. and uh, <laughs> You know, it's summer. Yeah. <laughs> all the stuff you do in summer when you touch each other's butts all the time. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, no, I mean, I've just been chilling. <laughs> Where? I turned 33 this summer. That's pretty nice, dope. Nice, nice. I got told that I still look 26, which is pretty awesome, though. You're about um, as old as Jesus was when he died. Yeah, it's a pretty good feeling, actually. Yeah, you're older than Tupac would have been. <laughs> I mean, would have been. Or it was. Is? Is. Right. Because he's still alive. Yeah. Ha! Right. Forgot. Uh, other than that, no, nah, man. Beaching. Eating. Cool. Straight beaching. Yeah. Straight, straight beaching. I haven't gone to the beach in a while, though, which is a little bit of a bummer, but I'm all right with that. I think Jenna, Jenna's there today at Cape May, so I'm just chilling. Everything's been good. Reading comics, man. Just nice. Relaxing, reading books. I don't really want to fuck around and do a bunch of crazy shit. So okay. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. All That's right. It. How about you, Evan? What you been up to? Whacking on track. I'm doing whack. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't do anything. As you're incapable of wow. doing anything whack, what have you been doing that's been on track lately, other than everything? I got to see Choking Victim. Okay. Where's that show going to be at? Uh, Warsaw. Bro. Ah, there with, you go. With the homie Jake. Who are they playing with? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't even think it's been announced. I didn't even think that you were that much of a choking victim fan. Oh, yeah. Didn't know. Love that band. Right. I haven't seen them since I was in high school. So, that'll be exciting. <laughs> I'm, not a big, I'm not a big fan. They're also playing the day before Halloween. Ah. Okay. That sounds like it'll be a good time. Yeah. That weekend's... That, that week's nonstop because the mummies are on Tuesday. Yeah. Right. And then Turnstile is on Friday. With oh, Bus. yeah. I forgot about that. And then that happens again in D.C. with L.O.J., which I'm really excited about. L.O.J. And then Choking Victim on Sunday. What's L.O.J.? Lion of Judah. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, I forgot about that. They're back, baby. I will say that uh, I gave that new Angel Dust LP a, a listen. What'd you think? And uh, I like it better than the others, the other record that they had. I don't like it better than the other one, but I like it. I still like that Praise record the best this year. That's my favorite record of the year, I think. Of that hardcore stuff. Mm. Of, of that, of, of that, this that music that, you call hard, that weird hardcore, <laughs> whatever that is. I I do like that Angel Dust record actually. Yeah, they were really good at the fest. I've come to appreciate them post fest. It was such a chaotic, fun time at the fest that I think I now I like them more. I think they were one of my favorites. I don't fests. think I liked them at all before really? that, and now I think I'm a fan. Ah. I think I'll probably go back and re-listen to the old records now based upon that performance. I see. There you go. <laughs> Yo, you're so bummed right now. Yo, literally every band that's been mentioned in these last couple of minutes, I do not like. <laughs> to be fair, I still maintain my Turnstile hate. I yeah, mean, I don't. I don't like Turnstile. Either. Yeah, that's a bad band. I don't really know. So uh, that band Fury is playing both of those shows on there. Are fucking great. Yeah, Fury's pretty sick. Fury. Fury. Yeah, they just put an LP out called Paramount on Triple B. Okay. One of the best records I've heard this year. I will check oh, it out. Josh, get current, dude. I, I don't fuck, know. Man. Don't be an old man. The new Arms Race record is good. Yo, the new Arms Race record is sick. Nice. Yep. Josh is like, I, I have no idea. I, Arms dude, Race is a British band. I will let you know that the only thing that has mattered to me in the past 24, 48 hours has been the new Nick Cave record. Because that record is fucking devastating. I it is harder up. than any record oh, you will put up at all. I, sh- I straight up. No. I'm, can I be, can I be, can I be honest? Yeah. I put it on at work. And I, I teared up during a song. I got like, real emotional. And then I was like, you know what I should do while I'm listening to this album? I should read Phil 
friend of the show, Phil uh, Nobile uh, Jr., his Shout review of the movie. Yeah. And I read it while I was listening to the album. I, I was going to start crying at work. I was like, no, Dude. I'm done. I can't with this anymore. And I switched <laughs> to like some upbeat, poppy shit. That like, record is the most hardcore record I've ever heard in my entire life. What did you think of the movie, by the way? Oh, let's, are we, are you, I'm about to switch to Josh. Do you have any more on track? I mean, I was going to say that I've been really into uh, Gordon Ramsay's iPhone game. <laughs> what? All right, Gordon, so, Gordon Ramsay Dash. So you're is that vegan? No, but uh, so, so you're officially done. So what's up? What's uh, up? What's up, Josh? I've done a lot of stuff in in since we've last podcasted. Can can I request something first? Before yeah, we're place? gonna talk about Nick Cave right the fuck now. Okay, good, good, good. So Thursday night they did a screening of a movie called One More Time with Feeling. They only screened it for one one night, and it's in place of a tour, I believe, which is what you might have been thinking. That might be what I'm thinking. Yeah. So allegedly, what it is is that um. If you don't know, Nick Cave lost his child. He, he had a child pass away last year. It's the year anniversary. And uh, a 17-year-old kid, twin, has a twin brother, fucking fell on vacation off of, like, a mountain or some shit and then died. Like, it was 60 feet, but on jagged rocks. And the dude died. And the whole movie is... So, I don't know. I haven't seen the other Nick Cave movie, The 20,000 Nights or whatever. Didn't I loan that to you? You did, but I haven't had a chance to, to watch it yet. I'm just saying, man. I'm busy. Sorry. I'm sorry. So, so, this movie, I walk into this just thinking, like, oh, it's just going to be a Nick Cave like concert movie or whatever. It is one of the most devastating movies I have ever seen in my entire life. It is beautiful. It's lilting. It's, like, elegiac. It's so, like, beautifully spoken. Mm. And it's intertwined with performances of, like, the eight songs that are on the new record. Sure. But it's Nick Cave talking about, like, the loss and grief and the process that is involved in that as an artist. You know, Nick Cave isn't exactly known for being the most upbeat dude. No one goes to Nick Cave on a Sunday like, hey, man, I'm feeling kind of happy. Let's throw on the Boatman's Call or, like, you know, another Nick Cave record. Anyone, really. This one is fucking genius. Were it's Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> were you you were Snapchatting us? Yeah. I don't know what that is. You don't know what Snapchat? Is? I, dude, I I know it's a thing, but I don't know what it like how you work it. Like what? I don't care. Come on, man. Not important. I'm sorry. Anyway, this movie is fucking brutal, and when you listen to the songs, and then you know like what he's talking about. There's a scene in this movie where Nick Cave and his wife are talking about a painting that the son did. Sure. And uh, Nick Cave is wearing a track jacket while it's happening. Yeah. So for the whole movie, he's wearing the three-piece suit, the iconic Nick Cave look. But in this one scene, he's wearing a track jacket, and it just looks so deflating. Like, it looks so depressing that you're just like, holy shit. Like, like it looks like he's giving up. Like, totally debased. How old was the son? 17. And a twin. He's a twin brother who's in the movie also. And they end the movie with the twin brothers singing a song together that they had recorded. Brutal movie. It's, I, it's amazing, though. Yeah. It's a true testament to the power of an artist in times of grief. Yeah. And how, like, you know, things that matter and things that don't matter, like, just how you lay it down. You know what I mean? It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And the record, when you listen to it knowing all that shit, is so intense. It's so honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so bare. And... I don't know. I really have been responding to it very much. Like I like it a lot. I feel so, like is it what is there anything else to even talk about then? With Nick Cave? No, I mean like for you, like that seems like 
Uh, Amazing. Pretty awesome. Yeah. But uh, uh, Cross Keys had our first show. Oh, how did the Cross Keys show go? Our friend of the podcast, Grace, made me a shirt that was a floor print shirt, and she she sewed pentagrams into the sleeves. Oh my! Which I then wore on stage in front of everybody. I saw that. So, photo. dude, it was brutal. So the band that opened is a band called Second Letter. Do you guys know about this band? No. Drummers from Government Issue. The guitar player Rob Hayworth was in uh, Statue, State of the Nation. Yo, Statue sucks. <laughs> Into another or no Inside Out, uh, Far Side. He was in all these crazy uh, hard stance. He was in all these bands. Yeah. No, he wasn't in hard stance. No, I'm just shaking my head like what? what? Yeah. Yeah, what? dude. And then uh, Matt Smith from Shark Attack, his wife Corinne was in the band. She plays uh, keyboards and stuff. That's weird. Yeah, and they played so well, and they opened, and with this resume, like, maybe the room was, like, not even half full. Yeah. It was really uncomfortable. Who was the headline? Um, Sun and Air, which is Rob Avery's band. Um, he was in Voice of the Fire from, like, 96 to 2003. Also a friend. Friend of both me and Liam. Yep. So uh, the last time we saw him was at Fogo de Chao. Oh yeah, that was so <laughs> random. Yeah, like three years ago. But uh, yeah, we played in the middle and uh, we fucked up one song really good, like really badly. Uh, I also had the odd, um, the odd recognition, watching the videos afterwards, that I have the same dance maneuvers as my man Ricky in the movie Better Off Dead. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I ch- I studied the uh, videos of a man by who went by the name of Mr. Heavy D, because I was sure. thinking if I'm gonna learn how to dance, I should probably learn from a dude of carriage, a larger gentleman, because I'm yeah. not gonna Michael Jackson up there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you and could. Uh, well, I could, but it just looked weird. But yeah, it turns out it's gonna look weird regardless. So yeah, yeah no matter so, what, no matter what I do, and it's fucked up. But you know. Not bad for a first show. I'm pretty proud of my boys. Pretty happy that we played. And, you know, we got another show coming up in October. Mm. So, you know, it's a good time. I'm glad. I'm sorry I missed it. That's not it's not a problem. Again, another show coming up. So It's, it's hard living in Easton. I don't get, I get to come that. to things. It Dude, kind of bumps me out. totally get that. Y'all are playing a show coming up, aren't you? The other band there? I am. On uh, the 15th, we're playing at the Pharmacy. So Dude. the other band that we're talking about is Solarize. I'm thinking of the other show you're playing. The other show that we're playing is on November 5th, yeah. and that is with a little band you might know called Limp Wrist. <laughs> so oh, it's uh, yeah. S21, Crime Watch, uh, I think Soul Glow's on that show, I'm not sure. And then um, Limp Wrist, like yeah, it's like, a, it's like a whole bunch of bands. I think I'm and then, make it to that show. I would love it if you did, Carp, that'd be really fun. The lineup of that show is sick. It's, it's totally stacked, it's going to be a pretty crazy time, um, but yeah, uh, we're starting recording the demo on Monday. So hopefully by the end of this week we'll have it all finished up and for uh, ready for public consumption. Sounds good. So that's coming up. Pretty stoked on that. The other dope thing that I did, the other on-track thing that I did, was last night I went to the mausoleum wedding party of Mr. Eric and Miss Carly, who are getting married today. Oh yeah, I saw the pictures from that and I was like, what is this thing? It was... So, um... Eric invited me and Melani out, and it was just a private party kind of thing. So it was like, you know, just friends of uh, Phil Mocha and Cinadelphia, Eric Bresler and Carly. Is Eric like, the dude that does Phil Mocha? Yeah. Yeah, he's Eric's the, the main dude. It. So it was simultaneously the sweetest thing I've ever seen in my entire life and the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So they had a whole bunch of, they had a whole lineup, like the Divine Hand Ensemble played. They opened with a specials cover, which, you know... <laughs> 
imagine, you know, a chamber quartet playing uh, Gangsters by the Specials yes. with a theremin. Yeah, it was that sounds awesome. unbelievable. The and then it just got weirder from then on. Like, it was the kind of thing that was like, it can't get weirder than this. I'm watching an orchestra play Specials, you know. And then the next act was... Uh, uh, dude, it was just the whole night was weird. There was uh, the lady, the underdog. What's her name? She uh, There's this like 60-year-old lady. Richie who... Birkenhead? No. Wrong underdog. Underdog the cartoon. Like her name is like something underdog something. Like it was just a lady. She's like a 60-year-old lady that was dressed in like this weird red and blue thing. Oh, yeah. And then she pictures. did like an interpretive dance. And it was really sweet. And then um, Cousin cousin George went on. You know that their friend Cousin George who's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. not actually anyone's cousin. And he uh, reenacted a uh, 1980s TV sh- public access TV show from New York where a kid made uh, lyrics to the War of the Worlds theme. And he sung that. <laughs> and then um, this guy who, is, who wrote the book um, is, wrestling, is Wrestling Fixed? If it is, I didn't know it was broken. His name is uh, Apter, Rob Apter, I think his name is. Okay. He came on with a Juggalo hockey jersey and a wrestling mask, and he sung, like, a Billy Joel song. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happened. Eric Wrestler's an interesting individual. Dude, and then the Incredible Wid went on. Do you know who this dude is? No. He is, like, an improvisational prop comic, and he brought, like, five tubs of, like, toys and broken shit on stage. Oh, a carrot top. Dude, it was like that. It was crazy. And just when I thought it couldn't get weirder, the 311 cover band went on and everyone went wild. Went wild. It was insane. It was the craziest night in a long time. Did you go wild for the 311? <laughs> I did not. I was just standing there in shock and eating a soft pretzel, as is my want. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. I mean, I don't know. It was a good time. So That's congratulations to Eric and Carly, too, on, the, yeah, on their wedding. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know. Much love, much love. Much love. There you go. So there you go. Okay, my turn? Yeah. All right, so I just want to... <laughs> we need that more. Remember when you fucking got mad at me? I got <laughs> so mad at you. <laughs> well, what's so funny good. is I got, I got this thing just for that, for the air horn, and it has a million genres on Dude, it. Dude, you got to get the rap air horn done. Wow. I like that one. It's called ham horn. You're a ham, ham horn. horn. <laughs> Stuff like that. Okay, uh, so it has been so. It's ac- I think it's actually uh, it's. Okay, that's enough. It said Skrillex scared. There's no way I'm not gonna. Wow, what are you gonna knock? There's actually some. Button? There's some amazing ones on there. Okay, um, it has been so long since we recorded. It, there was a half a second where I was like, oh man, what have I done that's whacking on track? I think. Um, Going back to the Bruce Campbell Hart Film Fest, obviously the whole thing was amazing, but I did I did manage to see some movies there. Mm-hmm. What did so you like? I am not a serial killer, which I think you can get on VOD now. I think yeah. it's possible for you to see it. Uh, it's a very interesting movie. I loved it. It has Christopher Lloyd in it, who mm-hmm. you might know from uh, a little movie called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Is that what you guys said? Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we were talking about Christopher Lloyd and. What movie did Joe bring up? Joe brought up Camp some... Nowhere? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> How do you know Camp Nowhere? How do you know Camp Nowhere? I mean, that movie did suck ass. Wait, do you guys... Have you guys all seen it? I saw it in theater. It's in theater. It's like one of those movies that you watch as a kid. Yeah. Like, 
they're kids' movies, like for people, like kids the ages eight to twelve, <laughs> and you watch them because that's like the safest thing without going to be too crazy for you. And right. it gets a little questionable in the middle. Yeah, but that's how every one of those movies were back then. <laughs> you get away with that. You can't get away with that now. It's not heavyweights. But that's the point of making. It's like, how did you guys like? Did you just was it too? Were you guys too old at that point? It might be a generational I thing. I have no idea what, what you're talking, talking about. about. Yeah. Yeah, we're just a little bit older. There it is, man. I've never felt closer to you. I know. Well, three of you are older than me. <laughs> oh, that's true. But yeah, Carp knows what I'm talking Carp about. Is, Carp is not properly developed. Well, all right. How old Carp? 33. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but I'm 37, though. I'm 38. And Josh is like, uh, yeah, you're basically 40. Though. Yeah, I'm basically 40. So are you, though. So I don't feel so bad. <laughs> okay, um, so I'm not a serial killer. Hard recommend. Like, yeah. just great. And then... Oh, I saw at Bruce Campbell's Horror Film Fest, I saw the movie Siren. Now, y'all are familiar with the VHS film? Yeah. And there's the one, I don't remember what it was called, but the the one in VHS where the woman uh, basically eats the dudes who are trying to get with her. Yeah, she's like... One? Yeah, from the first one. Like, like, face like splits in half. Is that yeah. the very first one? Where she, like, falls for the one guy and she's yeah. trying to get him. So basically, they made a a movie of that like a full-length oh. movie and I was like there's no way this is when I realized what it was I thought there's no way this is gonna work but they actually made it work I, I don't think I loved it like I'm not a serial killer I walked away like this <coughs> is like a movie that stuck with me and I'm gonna care about for a while mm. I didn't feel quite that strong about Siren but I really liked it was it, it the same girl? girl yeah it was basically they took her everything else is new but they mm basically gave that character a backstory and put her... It's not like the one where... It's not like the way it was in VHS where it's like camera view of like what the person's seeing kind of thing. No, this is like a movie movie. It's not... Oh, okay, good. Everything in VHS is found footage, right? Right, right, right. This is not found footage. This is like a movie. Is there a third I hate to be mean like that. Or is it just... Yeah, there is a third VHS. I never saw it. I've only seen the first two. Oh. I saw the second one with you with that like sneak preview. It was. I thought it was alright. That one's not bad. It's better than the first one. The Cambodian the scene one. in there, the one that, that takes place in the Asia. Cult yeah. yeah, that one I thought was really well done. Yeah. Speaking of, did you guys see The Sacrament? Yeah. Yeah. I saw we, that shit for the first time a couple oh, weeks ago. Oh, yeah, I went oh. to an advanced screening of We that. saw it together, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, it was really good. It was so good. I mean, yeah. it was... I, I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. it was just straight up, you know... Jonestown? Jonestown. Sure, like, sure. Without but it was so anything. good, though, right? It was good. I liked it. Uh, the other things I saw recently, I, sorry, I was kind of delaying a little bit because they weren't, it wasn't good for me. I saw Don't Think Twice. And what'd you think? Loved it. Fucking loved it. Why are you shaking your head? I don't know it. That's uh, the one with all the comedians and, uh, yeah, Mike so it's a Mike Birbiglia film. Yeah. And it's got, uh, it's got Chris Gethard, it's got, uh, Keegan-Michael Key. It's got um, Kate Micucci. Ah, right. It's got... I really want to see it. It's so at the Ritz is, right now. This is the thing that's crazy. We went to see it at the Ritz, right? Mm. It was great. Right. Then it finally came up to the Lehigh Valley, but it only came up to the Lehigh Valley for one night. Uh-huh. Or no, it's been there for a little bit, but on one night, Kate Micucci's going to be there because she apparently nice. grew up in Nazareth. Ha! Huh. So we went all stoked, like, oh, we're going to get to, you know, see Kate Micucci talk about the movie and all this stuff. Only, of course, since she's from the area, both screenings sold out. Oh. So we, but we didn't realize they were sold. So we got there and we got to see her visually. Right. And we're like, let's just go. I mean, that's the only reason we came was to see her. So let's go try to introduce ourselves. But apparently, all these people came who she like grew up with. Uh-huh. So she wasn't like talking to fans. She was talking to people who like that she knew. She kind of knew. Right. So it'd be awkward to be like, 
Oh, hey, sorry to interrupt your catching up after <laughs> with all your homies, but uh, uh, we think you're pretty cool, so talk to us. You know, like, <laughs> so that didn't really happen. But it, the movie's great if you get a chance to see it. And there was something else like, oh, and then I finally saw High Rise, which... How was that? I really want to see it. So, it's great. Really? Oh, yeah. it, it, so, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ben Wheatley's movies. I am not. Uh, he did A Field in England. I did oh, see that. Right. I liked that. And he did another film that's escaping my brain right now. Mm-hmm. They are not very direct movies. He's sort of a mildly abstract kind of filmmaker. And uh, High Rise is, I think it's based off a novel. Like yeah, a it's by sci-fi. Jackie Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very much not a direct narrative. It's uh, archetypal. Characters are more caricatures than characters. Mm. Nothing's really explained. Like stuff starts to happen and it's a very sort of psych logical kind of deconstructive film um it's not filmed uh it's filmed very straight on it's very glossy it feels it looks like in many ways a hollywood film and it has tom hiddleston in it so i think a lot of people saw it who are normals and so they expected there to be like a plot that they could follow and a lot of things happen there's a lot of emotions but it's very much, I think, a, a metaphorical critique of capitalism that the high rise is like capitalism, basically, and mm. everyone slowly destroys themselves and each other. And there's like classes, and there's all this stuff, and the performances are amazing. It's great, but I can see why because definitely it was a movie that was polarizing, and some people thought, "Oh, I love it. It's so great." And other people were like, "What the fuck was that?" So mm. I can understand if someone sees it. If if you're not into uh, something that is a little obscure or a little um, ephemeral, it wouldn't be worth seeing. But for me, I, oh, I was, I was in. You're all and in. I just saw it, and now he has a new movie coming out. What's the new movie? Called? Uh, he has a new movie co- coming out called. I don't know, oh, what is it called? Firing Room or Fire? Uh, basically, all it, the trailer just hit. Look up Ben Wheatley, you'll find it. But it's a. It, from what I can tell from the trailer, it's a gun deal gone bad in which the whole film is just people shooting at each other. Yeah. So for a director who has made so many trippy, nightmarish movies to do an action film, I'm, like, really curious. And yeah. people who I know who've seen it were like, it's fun. Like, it's like his... I mean, I guess his other movies are fun in their way, but they're not, like, fun fun. You right. know what I mean? And this one... Not a feel-good movie, hit of the summer kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I still get the feeling this is also mildly nightmarish, but it has, like, a real... Uh, a real sort of chaotic fun aspect to it as far as whack i don't have anything whack. well didn't did we both was... watch we both watched don't breathe i heard that so oh. i hated it i was drunk I as shit when i saw it too I and it still this. doesn't help you Jake told me you saw it last night and didn't like it. so i didn't hate it okay i didn't hate it yeah. but me and ren saw it but i didn't love hate it. it i didn't love it either I, I, saw, I saw it with justin lore we'll probably talk about it on on the biz on the biz but honestly uh I can say here, it's. I just felt mediocre about it. I guess part of the problem is I went in being like, this is going to be either really great, because a lot of people were like, loved it. Like, we showed it at uh, Bruce Campbell. Yes, yeah, and how'd it go? People loved it. I didn't hear a single Jesus negative Christ. report. People who didn't like anything so else. So confusing. People who didn't like it at anything else the whole weekend were like, oh, at least I saw Don't Breathe. Like, that was great. And I was like, okay. So I was like, oh, I got that. Then I had you and John who were like, literal piece of shit. Yeah. This is what I'll say about it. The things that I think were good... Um, it maintains tension very well. It's okay. actually, I'll give you as that. far as the directing and pacing, one of the better films I've seen this year. But 
as far as the story, not everything makes sense, I don't think. Yeah. I think the character motivation of uh, the young lady who consistently makes poor decisions because apparently she wants the money. Yeah. It's only believable so long. So that's already got on my nerves. Yeah. And then the big controversial scene that I won't ruin for everyone. It, it so didn't like whatever. It didn't like bother me, bother me, but I just was like, it, it didn't feel necessary in the film. Yeah. I wanted it to be there. I wanted actually something horrifying like that to happen. But that particular thing, I thought, this just feels corny to me. Yeah. And it wasn't rude for me. No one told me about it. I didn't read any articles about it. I went in fresh. So it's not like I went in already kind of with a chip on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, that's eh, fine. It's not that yeah. shocking. It's just, it is what it is. So it was, I mean, I didn't feel like I wasted my money going to see it. Mm -hmm. But I, I saw it at a drive-in for not that much money. I think if I went... To I, certainly, if I went to like a multiplex and it was like opening night, like I can understand why some people who went really excited might be like, "Oh, that was not what I was hoping for." Yeah. But then again, I didn't love the Evil Dead remake, so I, I, I maybe my hope yeah. maybe my hopes weren't that high in the first place. Did you see it at Mahoning? I no, I went to uh, Becky's. Yeah. I haven't been nice. to Mahoning in a while. They you know, Becky's used to be a porno driver. I heard. They, what? You can kind of tell because if you if they do like a history of Becky's reel when you go to Becky's and there's a big gap between like 1985 <laughs> to 2005 I think there's just nothing there's no pictures there's no, and those were the years it was a porno theater wow so that's why uh, they a drive-in porno they, theater they sell shirts at Becky's that say I survived the back row at Becky's whoa and I believe that was the row where you would have a friend come for money right and watch the porno with you. Okay. Yep. So to speak. <laughs> so enough. Um, driving also. Are you going to that Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Thing? I would like to go to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. Oh, when is that? That's coming up, isn't it? Next I week? believe it's next. It's not next weekend, but it's the weekend after. Mm. No, the weekend after is the twenty fourth, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, the weekend after that. It's like the last weekend of September. Oh, like oh, the 29th? I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember cool film stuff. So. We have a few people who listen who will be at this, so let me mm -hmm. acknowledge that uh, they made the final announcement for the Fantastic Fest lineup. Oh. The Fantastic Fest lineup is fucking amazing. Yeah. Including oh, including a showing of 36 Chambers of Shaolin. Yep. Nice. On film. Yep. What? With a live score yep. by RZA. Oh, yep. man. What the fuck? I mean, let's ignore so, I mean, that's wow. gimmicky. Like, they're, so we're like, going. We're not going because it's in like two weeks. I can't get off of work. I don't have money to spend. Like, <laughs> so we're going. The final. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, we're fucking me and Carpenter going. Damn. Can you actually afford to go to Austin and go to this thing? Because I'll go. Oh, wait, goddammit. I thought this was the one here. No, fantastic fact. Balls. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Some people we know are going. Oh, fuck that, though. I can still afford it. I just won't be happy that yeah. I'm flying to Austin to watch one movie. What's the one that happens here? You mean the Philadelphia Film Fest? No, the other one. What other? I don't I mean, know. You're what talking about the overalls, those. Exhumed? No, you're okay. You're thinking of Josh Goldblum. Josh yeah. Goldblum does something called the Awesome Fest. He's not doing the Awesome Fest because he's been focusing on Bruce Campbell right. and the Film yeah. Fest. That's the thing that I was thinking about. No, mm -hmm. Fantastic Fest is the John in Austin that I tried to get us to go to. Oh, for remember, free? Remember, yeah. remember, we were talking a while ago about right, trying yeah. to go. So here's the thing. Whatever happened with that? So some of our listeners go to Fantastic Fest and they've actually said hey Liam are you going this year and I just want to put it out there I've explained it a little bit but if you are someone who was hoping you were going to see me in Austin if you want to pay for me and Liam to be there and me too me too 
it's actually for me, it's not even about money, and this is why I want to put it out there. Because Definitely money. Someone, money someone, for me someone literally said, if you did a GoFundMe to cover your airfare, you could get the money for the airfare. And I'm like, I know that's true, but that's not really what it's about for me. I work at a college. Mm-hmm. I already took off most of August. I mean, I didn't take off. I'm on a 10-month contract. But right. the point is, is that two weeks from now, being gone, like, it, it's actually so much more expensive to leave just, if I just went for the weekend, mm-hmm. my flight would go from 150 to, like, $300. Jeez. And the flights just went up, even though, I said 150 those tickets are now 250 like, as of yesterday. So, wow. I just think, let alone the money for the, then the pass is, like, 400 bucks, so, and let alone all that money, though, I would probably, much like Carp said, spend money and just be sad. But I really can't take <laughs> off work. And I really think it's kind of like also awkward to continually go on a vacation that my wife can't go on because that's when her shit is ramping up. Yeah. So she can't go to Fantastic Fest. So it'd be really hard for me to be like, hey, maybe I'm, I'm going to spend Fantastic Fest. Yeah. almost $1,000 of our money, let alone the money on food and records when I get there because you know yeah. I get like $200 worth of records. Uh, I am going to spend all that money. Well, you work, yeah. I'm, remember, I'm sensible, man. I don't spend a lot of money on stuff. All I have to say, uh, uh, friend of the friends of the show, Jenny Dreadful and Ashley from Graveyard Shift Sisters are nice. both going. Ashley's never been before, so have a good time. I actually think Jesse from Exhumed isn't going, but if he is, have a good time. Uh, and then big ups to all the people who go every year that love us, Jacob Knight and... Big ups to Jake. Yeah, uh-huh. he's the man. So, uh, anyways, respect to all the people going, Ed Travis, all the people from Synapse, uh, Brendan Foley, all those people. Uh, there's a lot, actually a lot of people going who we love, so we love you. Um, and, you know, eat something irrational and get sick during a movie <laughs> for me, because that's what I would do. Uh, okay, so uh, I think we should transition into the actual... For, we, we didn't say it at the, at the upfront, but this episode we're going to be talking about Kurosawa. Kira Kurosawa films. So what's funny is me and Josh have been talking about doing an Ozu episode for a while, but we yeah. kept getting delayed, and we kept having stuff come up, and then when we were talking about recording, I said, you want to still do Ozu? And he was like, well, it was just Kurosawa's birthday. Why would we do Kurosawa? Yeah. No, it wasn't his birthday. It was the anniversary oh, of his Oh, anniversary death. was, of yeah. was passing away. Last week. Go ahead. Yeah. What, what Much respect. Just give him a... Oh, oh, him a, I thought Evan was raising his hand. So. <laughs> <laughs> he should. He's the homie. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So we're gonna take a quick also, break. Why would I just raise my hand? I don't know. That's why I said yes, Evan. Because if anyone, should, you know, if anyone should be me. raising a hand, it should be Carp over here with no microphone. <laughs> yeah, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> just, just he needs to have like a hand signal so I know to quickly transition. It's mostly just me just going. Just squeeze his leg once. <laughs> <laughs> Wink three times. If you need the microphone. Pull on his beard. Did anyone here watch IT Crowd ever? Yeah. yeah. When they do the um, episode where they go see the gay musical called Gay. Yeah, yeah. And they do the one song, Hold My Hand. No, that's, that's not, not my hand. hand. <laughs> Still funny. By the way, Still funny. Uh, Jenna, who hates... This is a constant thing that I love talking about. She hates British humor, everything about it. All and British humor? All British humor. So one morning, I like woke up and I was watching IT Crowd because I love it. Yeah. And she sat down next to me and watched that episode. And she goes, this is... Why do I not... Have I not watched the show ever? Dude, and if any time I try to convert someone to like either British humor or like the ID crowd, that's the episode that I yeah. show. Yeah, because that's the one that they they hit their stride in, dude. It's, it's the so, perfect episode. It's so everything uh, about it is so good. It's so funny. I mean, that show's amazing. But we're gonna take a quick break <laughs> and come back and talk about Akira Kurosawa films. Very good.
Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about Akira Kurosawa for a moment. Carp has an entire... Listeners, you should know. <laughs> Our man Carp here, who taught us how to use the internet, has it an entire <laughs> arm sleeve of... Uh, uh, it's themed by... Uh, it's about Seven Samurai, right? Isn't that what it is? Yes. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the microphone. <laughs> Our man Brad did it, right? Yeah. At Chinatown Eddie's, my, my home shop. Yep. The yeah. shop that I call home. Yeah, the most ball bu- home in Troy. The most <laughs> ball-bustingest shop yeah. on the East Coast. Amazing. And and me and uh, Evan are both Troy fans. Huge fans of Troy. I hope you just tattooed me. Yeah, I know. You're a desert storm. I would like to be a Troy fan, and I'm a fan of him as a person, but I haven't gotten <laughs> tattooed yet because we keep forgetting to do that. Oh, uh, but we're not forgetting to do it, and we already have it planned out. When it, well, we don't have it planned like as a date on the calendar. Are you going to get a face tattoo? No, he's going to get a yeah, collar rocker. on my fucking face. It's going to be a collar rocker for They Live. It's going to say They Live, We Sleep. Oh, you're finally going to do Yo. that after like three years? Yeah, it's about? hard, and Troy's going to do it. so cool. How about we're going to live podcast while fuck. we're doing it? Yeah, you so guys should crazy. all be there. We'll get twenty microphones. Yeah. <laughs> we'll all sit around and make fun of Liam. I can't, Liam I can't wait to be there sitting there tattooed. and hear Brad's uh, Tie Fighter noises going off in the background every time he gets a text Dude, message. The best is that Brad's is the Tie Fighter, and then Troy's is the Millennium Falcon, and mine is R two D two. So all of us sitting around with all of our phones going off is the nerdiest thing you'll ever last see. Time, in last time I got tattooed by Brad, uh, we discussed the new Star Wars episode. Too as well in there, and right? I got, and I got his thoughts on it too, which was fun. <laughs> it was like a twenty-minute conversation for an hour-long tattoo. That's amazing. <laughs> but uh, Brad specializes in Japanese art, so is that why you went to him? No, nah, I just went to him because he's my homie. Right. He's not and the dude that does all your other shit. He's done a lot of my stuff. He's done one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. six, six of mine. That's intense. Why did you put your hand up with five? That's yeah, how many tattoos six. you got from Brad. Five tattoos from Brad? No, I don't no. have anything from Brad. Oh, right. Does the sleep the sleep counts as one? Sure. Okay. What count is one? What count is one? Maybe that took, <laughs> took eight, eight days. So let's talk about your relationship with Kurosawa, though. Like, how did you come into Kurosawa to the point where you would permanently scar your body? My dad. And your dad was a Kurosawa fan. My dad, so you and Liam might know this or remember this more than, like, any younger listeners after. Remember when IFC used to play movies and Bravo used to play movies? All the time. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about this, that Bravo is part of the reason I cared about film, because they showed some crazy fucking shit on there. Yeah. So, when I was a youngin', mm-hmm. my dad used to, like, they would always play good movies late at night, and I would be upstairs doing homework or whatever, and I'd come down, and my dad would be, like, watching some movie. Mm. So, I wound up walking downstairs one night, and it was the last half an hour of Seven Samurai, and my dad watched literally, like, because with commercials, it's... It's like four hours. It's so long. It's yeah. like a three-and-a-half, three-hour-long movie <laughs> just by itself. Right. Uh, and he's like, yo, you need to sit here and, and watch the end of this, because this is probably one of the best movies ever created. And I watched the... Uh, the last half hour. Yeah, I... I won't. If you haven't seen it, I mean. Well, if you haven't seen it, you probably wouldn't be listening to this episode. Can we we talk kind of Yeah, just spoil the shit out of it, dog. (laughs) Justin Harlan does not give a fuck what you do. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) He's literally our only listener, so, you know. Not true. (laughs) Not true. No, I'm just playing. But Justin Harlan really doesn't care, so go on. Hold on, I lost my my mic, my ear. Ah, snap. Yeah, it keeps going in and out. Uh, So when Kikacho dies, when he gets shot. I literally was like, 
my dad was like, this is like one of the most important scenes in this entire movie. Like, you need to pay attention to this. And I sat there and I was like, holy shit. I was like 10. Right. I was like 10 at that point. I was like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever watched in my <laughs> life. And since then, I bought the, I have the Blu-ray. I've watched it, I can't tell you how many times. Mm-hmm. And it's, everything about it is just amazing. It's not just from a story. It's just beautifully shot. Um, Toshiro Mufune is without a doubt one of my favorite actors because yeah. of that movie he puts his heart and soul into so many scenes and i'm just like this is this is what i've always wanted out of a good movie you know awesome. i could go on and on i mean about every little aspect of it but that's the plan for today <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's got badass fight scenes it's got the, some of the craziest like kurosawa wipes you could ever have mm-hmm. i mean what's the <laughs> Why would you just take Evan's microphone? He's literally uh, sitting there with it pressed against his forehead, and Carp was talking. I know, but I, I, I seems did, weird. I do well because I think um, I think we're gonna take some time and talk about each of the. We're gonna take some time and talk about each of the movies, and I think uh, I think we could all spend some time in Seven Samurai. But I, right. I, I what I wanted to ask Carp a little bit was um, has. Your love for Seven Samurai caused you to seek out more of his films. Like, uh, I guess, let me preface this by saying something that I said before we started recording. I don't know there's any director who I've seen as many movies of as I've seen of Akira Kurosawa's, mm-hmm. and yet I still feel like I'm unfamiliar with his filmography. Yeah. And when I look at his IMDb page, I'm like, shit, dude directed 33 movie i mean some of those might be shorts i don't know one for every year that carp has been alive yeah so (laughs) i you know i've seen a lot of his movies and i still feel like i haven't seen many of his movies so i guess that's what i was sort of wondering about your relationship to Kurosawa. is this a director have you searched out more of his films is there any other ones that sort of resonate with you the way seven samurai does blah blah so yes i think you can't just watch one movie of a director um, if they're all available i mean Yojimbo, um, Secret Fortress, Rashomon. Rashom- Rashomon's great too because my parents bought me Rashomon and five other stories or whatever it's called when oh, I was a yeah, kid yeah, too. Yeah. And I read that and I was like, "Holy shit, this is fucking awesome!" <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah, my parents were like pretty cool, man. My parents are really cool. Like I used to walk downstairs and they'd be like watching like the Clark's VHS tape and stuff. Huh. And, I have like a lot of really weird, cool stories about my parents, but this this, this is not the time and place. Neither here nor there. No. Um, so high and low. Um, we can make this about your parents if you want. <laughs> Yo, if you really want to have someone that's seen like a lot of dope movies, you should have my dad on. My dad's probably seen like a shit ton of like really like avant-garde stuff from like the eighties and like nineties. If you want to have Carp's dad on, <laughs> just write us Cinepunks at Gmail. Tweet us. Tweet us. At yes. Cinepunks. What's your dad's name? Salmon? Salmon? <laughs> what? God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Yo, Woo! I just missed that. Well, because your name yeah. is Carp, and so the... I mean, we know it doesn't come Zoom. from... Man. Joke. Yo, I so broke... It's, yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like I get called Carp so much right now that like the, those jokes are just so old that I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I straight up... I thought your name was actually Carp. Until you started to work <laughs> with me. Work and I knew you for ago. two years before right. that. I mean, was it two years before that? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it was three, because we met in 2011. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I mean, mm. no one ever called you Brian, though. <laughs> sorry. To be fair, I knew your name wasn't Carp, but I didn't know it was Brian. 
I just knew that there's no name, way your name was actually Carp. Yeah. <laughs> My parents have been Mr. and Mrs. Carp to like teachers and stuff. In, like, wow. Wait, teachers called you Carp? Yeah. Fuck. Man, you're like Hexter. Who <laughs> <laughs> people don't know his real name or first name. He's, a, he's also Brian. Yeah, it's also, yeah Brian. it's also Brian. It's funny because me and Melani call him Brian because that's how he introduced himself to me. I and I don't. Hex. I, I introduced myself as Brian now. Do you? I don't know yeah. how I came to know that your name was Brian, but I did and because it was like in an email chain or something. I was like, who's Brian? Oh, if you email me, it's like, <laughs> so if I ever send like my resume out for like a job or something, I can't be like, Carp. You can't say Carp. And they'd be like, <laughs> who the fuck is this dickhead? Just delete it. That's pretty much what I did when someone was like, oh, you're Brian's friend. I'm like, who the fuck is Brian? <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? Excellent. Which is, you could have your email be Ignition Remix. Yeah, just because hot. it's the greatest song in the world. <laughs> There's like there's like upper there's like levels of songs like for perfect like <laughs> New Order's Age of Consent. It's a good one. Uh, Joy Division's Disorder. Okay. Chrome Mags. We gotta know. Um, and the ignition and remix. The, the remix to R Kelly ignition remix. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Evan. <laughs> yeah, tell, Evan, talk tell us, us about, about your Coruscant relationship. How did you get into Coruscant? Honestly, I don't even really know. It, I think it's just one of those things I picked up from. Being around people that were like film nerds. Yeah. So. What was the first one that you saw? That like actually like. The first one that I saw was probably also Seven Samurai, because I sought that out because I was a big Magnificent Seven fan, and when I heard sure, that, sure. it was essentially, or I guess like. And now they're remaking Magnificent right, Seven too, right. which is which just seems be like weird. Like, why would you do that? And, uh, Denzel's in it. Yo, I, I'll be up. Can, can I, this is mm-hmm. like not a popular film opinion, but 100% if that movie was called something else, you'd be all the way into it. I would be so. It. Uh, hey, Liam, they made a they made a uh, mildly dark uh, <laughs> Western, Western with these actors. Oh, that sounds amazing! I'd like to see that. It's only my little bit of anxiety about calling it Magnificent Seven that bums me out. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm the first. I'm almost already perfect. That's what I'm saying. I'm almost worried it's actually going to be a good movie, but I won't know because I'm just see. sitting there being like, "Well, it's no fucking Magnificent Seven. <laughs> there is no your motherfucking Brennan. Yeah, <laughs> no Chuck Bronson in this dude. R.I.P. <laughs> God damn it. Hey, so, uh, so that's, and how did you first see it? Was it home video, I'm assuming? Uh, rented for Blockbuster. All right, all right. Yeah, VHS tape. And since then, same question have you pursued other things that aren't, have other things stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, I would just, whenever Criterion would do those, like, flash sales from Barnes and Noble, I would just go fucking ham. And just get a bunch of the curse out. I had, like, a Barnes and Noble thing, so that gave me another 10. So it was oh. like 60% off of things nice. that were like super expensive. Yeah. So I would just buy whatever looked good to me. And so a lot of it I didn't even know. Like Stray Dog. I just right. thought it looked cool, so I bought it. I've actually never seen Stray Dog. It's good. Yeah. Just, you know, we're going to talk about it today. Nice. I can't wait for Evan to ruin the ending for you. Uh-uh. Man, I'm not going to so give good. any spoilers. Oh, oh wow. Man, we're breaking tradition. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely a spoilerful show. So, so... I think you should be allowed a spoiler if the movie is over, like, 20, yeah. 20 years old. You're going to see it, yeah. Like, everyone knows what happens in The Godfather, right? <laughs> I don't, actually. I'm sorry, I've what movie? The end of it. Never Wait, heard of it. what? No, I, I keep falling asleep when I try to <laughs> That's even funnier. I can't... I can't <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. 
Wait. Oh my god. You remember that time we kicked Evan off the show? <laughs> yeah. And officially rescinded his title? I can't help it if fucking Goodfellas and Casino are better films. <laughs> you are oh, wrong. Man. You are wrong. That's so I will say, I will I'm the only one that's Italian in this fucking room, so I can <laughs> say that kind of shit. Uh, uh, my, Italian. My, my grandparents' last name is Calora. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I only went there every Sunday. To Italy? Yes, to In Sicily. You know what? I actually, I'll, I'll roll back a little bit. I might feel like you have an argument when it comes to Goodfellas. Yeah, like, fuck I, you. I think you can make an argument, <laughs> and I don't agree, but I think you can make an argument for good. But the fact that you just tried to say the casino is better than the Godfather or Godfather 2 or combined Godfather. I never Godfather. said Godfather 2. Godfather 2 oh, is so Godfather 2. So you're trying to say Godfather 1 is I'm too I'm saying boring. just straight up Godfather 1. I mean, boring. Godfather 2 good, is so good, though. Goodfellas is That's basically I'm a bi- I'm saying that Godfather bi- 2 is good. I'm not shitting right. on that. Godfather, Godfather 1, one. fucking boring. It's not... Oh, God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so amazing. This is the greatest conversation I've had. This is going to get really we're, heated we're, really we're, fast. We're ruining our Coruscant <laughs> conversation. And we'll have another episode where we yell at Evan oh, for a full hour. I, I don't have to take that shit. I know I'm right. I'm so stoked to do that episode. It's going to be so good. It's going to be episode I'm not saying you don't know you're right. And I support your... Uh, Steadfastness. Yeah, and I support you defending yourself. Talk but about. the idea that you don't have to take shit for it is completely false. Like you do have to take at least a, at least half an hour of shit for it. The only thing you can say that's negative about the first Godfather movie is that Brando phoned it in for oh, the most 100%. part. Because he did. Because he's a lazy actor. He was good, but he's a lazy actor. But everything Especially else at that point. But everything else is just so good. Yeah. Everything. So Liam, how'd you hear oh, about Kurosawa? And what was your entry point to this film catalog? I like that you shifted to me. I was going to shift to you. Oh right, we're See, always doing. We're always in the same right? mind. Yeah. It's it's like we're bros. I know. I love it. I yeah. love it. It's the yeah. best. So uh, honestly, my story's not interesting because it's basically uh, almost the same as Carp's story, in that again. Hey you guys, saw Carp's dad made you watch it. <laughs> I was doing a homework at Carp's room. And Carp's dad was like, hey, watch this amazing scene. No, I mean, in the sense of it was related to Bravo actually used to show movies. And right. I can tell you, if you don't know this, because we've talked about this before, but I want to reiterate. Seven Samurai. Right. Jesus Christ Superstar. Leon. Uh, the professional. Yeah. Slacker. Uh, clerks. Mm-hmm. These are all movies I only saw because, because of Bravo. Bravo. Wow. And even other ones that I don't even like I'm sure there's other those are just some of the ones that stick out to me, but there would be even weirder stuff. Like that was that stuff was more approachable. They would show even more independent weird yeah. shit. Yeah, I think I saw Six String Samurai on Bravo for the yeah, first time. Six string stra- six yeah, Six You've actually seen that? Yeah. I, I own it. No it's one else I know has ever seen it. It's on Fandor. It's so good. Yeah. It's so I weird. bought it based on a like a 30-word review once out of the back of, like, a Wired magazine from, like, the mid-90s. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, they, it's uh, great. Godspeed, you Black Emperor used the image of the angel with the gun to his head. Yeah, well, friend, of the, friend of the show, future guest, Kurt Fowler of the band Mercury Radio Theater. Right. He was obsessed with it, because he's, like, kind of a rockabilly-ish kind of dude. Yeah. And so it really appealed to him, plus with all the, you know, the side Samurai stuff. Right. And, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, my first was Seven Samurai the same because they show Seven Samurai what's crazy about Bravo at the time Seven Samurai is four hours with commercials they showed it once a week I felt <laughs> it was like all the time it's like Gateway Carousel yeah yeah I mean I basically, so, yeah. basically and then from there 
I first though, I will say this though, and this we're gonna get to this when I talk about the movie that I chose to talk about today. But um, at first, I only watched Kurosawa's samurai films, mm-hmm. um, and I knew he had made other films. But I thought, well, I just want to see the samurai ones. So I saw Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, Sinjuro, mm-hmm. uh, Throne of Blood. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Hidden Fortress. And um, it was only later on that I discovered some of his other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But even now, like I said, I, I have seen a good chunk of his films. And yet when I looked at the filmography today, I'm like, fuck, there's a lot of stuff on here. Yeah. Oh, and even the one that you are going to talk about later, Dreams, they mm-hmm. showed that on Bravo. And I, I remember actually I had plans one night. And Dreams came on, and I thought, oh, I've never seen this one. I'll watch this. And oh, it was awesome. So, yeah. um, so Bravo was a big part of my Kurosawa-ness. And then only later on did I start checking out some other sort of options outside of this. Because, I, honestly, I was just obsessed with Samurai movies for a while. Yeah. I watched everything Samurai. Huh. Interesting. So what about you, sir? Um, I first came to Kurosawa when I started working at the TLA video with Eric Schwesler. Eric told me to watch two movies when I first started working there. One was Dreams, and the other one was um, uh, Children of Paradise. Oh. um, Marcel Carnet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they were both like incredibly long movies, and I was like, all right, let's go for it. And I watched both of them the same day, and I was like... Like my, it was like literally blowing the doors off of my mind, like boom, and then that was it. And um, I've seen since all the other Kurosawa movies that I've been able to find, but Dreams is still my favorite one because I feel as though that was the one that opened my eyes to things like surrealist movie making, and then consequently Jodorowsky and you know Truffaut and like all the other like stuff that I came. Well, not that Truffaut's a surrealist filmmaker, but like the sense of like childlike wonder in dreams was something that I found to be very intoxicating and Kurosawa's depiction of it like stays with me to this day Hmm. so that movie in particular was was my my main way in Hmm. and that's the movie I'll be talking about today Kurosawa's dreams why don't we get started who wants to start and then we we, I I think the, the way we should do this is talk a little bit about the movie that you chose and why you chose it and then we can all sort of chime in although Josh has never seen Stray Dog, so he's like... I've never seen Stray Dog, but I will start with Dreams. Yeah. Have you you guys all seen Dreams? Have you seen Dreams? I have not. You've not seen Dreams? I have not, because it's really difficult to find it. It is so good. It's not... It shouldn't be that difficult, because um, Warner Brothers put it out. It doesn't matter, though. I mean... Is it on Hulu? Because I know a lot of his stuff is on Hulu. Yeah, I believe it's on Amazon. If it's on Criterion? Oh, if it's on Amazon. I don't think Criterion did. Criterion has not, I I believe. And if it's on Hulu, I don't have Hulu. It's on Amazon, though, I believe. Is it on Amazon? Yeah, you gotta pay, though. It's like the $2.99, John. But, dude, it is so good. So it is eight vignettes, eight meditations of dreams that Kurosawa has had repeatedly. Did you know that? That these were, like, supposedly dreams that he actually had? So yeah. it's it's like it's so weird and so not linear in a way, but it's all like also steeped in like you see a lot of the culture that he was raised in. You see a lot of like the folklore that he he knows like so well. You know what I mean? And stuff that doesn't pop up in his other movies. Also, I I'd read that um, the Japanese uh, production company that was supposed to uh, that was supposed to finance it backed out, and he sent the script to Spielberg, who then that's how Warner Brothers released it. Mm. Or whatever. So. What about his non-union Mexican equivalent, Spielbergo? <laughs> Spielbergo, he was like, no. He's, 
these are only references that Heaven and I are understanding. Cause I don't get it either, but it's fucking uh, funny, so whatever. I watch The Simpsons? So do you know about Spielbergo? Does that mean anything? Yeah, that's uh, 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 Mr. Burns gets for his uh, fake biopic thing. Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Not important because we're talking about Kurosawa today and not The Simpsons. So. Talk a little bit about Dreams more. So Dreams is eight vignettes about Dreams that Kurosawa supposedly had himself. But they're also about things like, um, it's a very anti-capitalist, anti-like, anti-nuclear power movie. There's a lot of really weird ethereal themes to it, and um, the first, the first, uh, the first vignette is um, it's called uh, "Sunshine and Rain," I think. Sure. And what happens is there's a folk tale that when it rains and it's sunny out, that's when foxes get married. So the movie is about a, a small child who uh, it's raining and it's sunny out, and he runs into the woods. Chris Dow actually rebuilt the home that he grew up in for uh, in the movie set for this vignette. And it says Curacao on like in the wall apparently. Anyway, so um, the kid runs out into the forest and he sees the foxes getting married, and um, he he manages to like make himself known that he's there and the foxes see him and so they're mad at him and he runs home and then like his mom gives him a sword and he's supposed to go out there and kill himself unless he can get the forgiveness of the foxes. So the last scene is the kid running out and there's a rainbow because it's raining and it's sunny and he has the sword and he's trying to find the foxes to beg for their forgiveness. It's like, all the vignettes are like weirdly ethereal like that, like strangely incorporating things like nature into these weird stories where people like involve themselves in. Um, it actually reads more like a horror movie to me. Like if you watch sure. it straight, you've seen it, right? Does it, mm-hmm. does it feel like a horror movie to you? There's, uh, y- yes and no. It, well, you know what it kind of reminds me of is the weird kind of, um, kind of fairy taleness of uh, yeah. Valerie and her Week of Wonders. Oh yeah, which is yeah, also yeah, yeah. horrifying, but it's not a horror movie. If that makes sense, you that know, does like, make sense. There's yeah. something very threatening about it in its strangeness, but it's not like it doesn't feel like a horror movie in that it's not designed to raise the tension at the same level, you know. Right. But there is something about it that is like it's not safe. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like an impending sense of like pervasive doom that weirdly goes through all these stories, and even the like the second the second story is um the cherry blossom festival. Where this kid's in a house and like they chop, he chops down like all the cherry or the the peach trees. That's it. It's a peach tree. Oh yeah, right. And right. then like um, he feels bad and then he goes out and then all of his sister's dolls come to life and they do this huge elaborate dance sequence and like they get to eat. He's watching this whole. It's just man, what a movie. I don't believe you've, you've not seen this carpet. It actually kind of blows my mind. I imagine that you'd really like it because it's such a visual movie. It's not that I don't want to see it. I know that you don't. I'm just saying it surprises me that this be the one. Also, I watch all my movies with Jenna, and it gets... Sometimes we just don't really want to pay attention to things that deeply. I have to watch a lot of these movies by myself. I see. Like, when I watched 120 Days of Sato, I had to watch that by myself. Fair enough. (laughs) Also, a dreamlike movie that touches your your sense of wonder (laughs) and joy. Yeah. I fucking hate that. Yeah. I'm not a fan, actually, but it's fine. One of the craziest things about Dreams is that um, Martin Scorsese's in it. Yep. And he plays Vincent Van Gogh. Yep. (laughs) It's so weird. Well, it's, I mean, uh, there's a, a kind of strange. I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to overstep as far as there are people who know more about Kurosawa than me, but it mm. seems to me, in what little I do know, that later Kurosawa is very different. You yeah. Know, that there's something, I don't know, kind of unique about his later films, um, and Dreams is kind of the height of that. Not that, and not that I think his later ones are as 
uh, abstract or, or avant-garde, but still, there's they're just a little bit different, especially with dreams. It's kind of like a dream come true for Scorsese to be in that movie. Like yeah. He's such a, you know, Kurosawa mark, you know, that he mm. just, that was like a treat for him. And that's neat for me as a fan of Scorsese to be like, wow, look at this guy who <laughs> has brought me so much joy getting a chance to do something so strange and fun and whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. I guess it reads like a horror movie because like one of the vignettes is um the the soldiers come out of the tunnel. Sure. And uh, it's the one the one guy's like um, he's like the general or something, and it's soldiers that he had sent out to war that have died, and then they come back and they're like reporting to him and stuff. That shit is brutal, man. So good. I definitely haven't seen a movie that has touched on so many themes that are as like today as that movie. You know what I mean? Like it's that movie was made in nineteen ninety, I think. And still, if you watch in 2016, it's just as pertinent today to issues as it was back then. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a great movie. So, yeah, that's that was a movie that I had elected to speak about today. Mm-hmm. And I love it still. So if you haven't seen it, Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. So good. <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking up when it came out because you just... 1990, I believe, was the year. Yep, 1990. Crazy, yeah. it's crazy to think he still had a movie coming out in nineteen ninety. Um, he passed you know away in ninety eight, right? Right. Yeah. But still, I mean, again, that's that's that's. Yeah. I mean, he he wasn't producing as much by the nineties, but he had a few. Rhapsody in August came out in ninety one. Uh, Matadayo came out in ninety three. Just before Dreams is Ron, which oh, I yeah. know a lot of people for whom Ron was their first Kurosawa film, or just before that, Kagemusha. Have you guys seen Kagamusha? Mm-hmm. That that's one that really and again, we take a look at the shot of this. Like it's almost like as soon as he started working in color, he was doing these crazy dreamlike. Yeah. And in some ways, it's interesting. Like I think all of our movies are black and white that we chose, right? Except for dreams. Except yeah. for dreams. So mm-hmm. I I do wonder what it would be like if we did. Maybe what we should do sometime is like a study of Kurosawa's color films. But his <laughs> output just dropped so much after Redbeard in nineteen sixty five. Like his his really intense creative period is like fifty to sixty five. Right. Did so many movies in that short period of time. Yeah. Then he's got a movie in nineteen seventy, then he's got a movie in nineteen seventy five, then he's got a movie in nineteen eighty, a movie in nineteen eighty five. It's like every five years as opposed to it almost is like a movie a year for a while there, you know what I mean? Mm. So And um, such big movies too. Yeah, totally. So I mean, hugely I, influential movies. Yeah. So okay, um who wants to go next? I will just say this about Dreams. I, I just realized we were going to comment on each other's films. And as the only other person who's seen it, it was hard for me when I first saw it. Right. Because I was just on this Kurosawa kick, as I said, <coughs> but it was related to samurai films. Yeah, so this would be totally jarring to that. Well, and especially because, at, kind of what you were saying, Carp, about sometimes it's not easy to find, or at least for a while it wasn't easy to find Kurosawa movies. For whatever reason, uh, where I was in South Jersey, at WoW Video, which is where I rented <laughs> stuff, other than Blockbuster. Wow. They had all of Kurosawa's samurai films uh-huh. and then Dreams and Kagemusha and that was it. So imagine this. I'm watching all the black and white samurai films and they're all of a certain style. Then I see Kagemusha and I'm like, oh, that's, that's weird. That's a little weird. That's a little <laughs> different than the other ones. And then going from that to Dreams, I was like, okay, what the fuck yeah. is going on? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so, I, I mean, my Kurosawa interest started probably like junior year in high school 
and I saw dreams, I think, my freshman year in college. And mm-hmm. when I was a freshman in college, I just, I was not ready for dreams. And I saw it again later on, maybe like 2007, 2008, when I was in seminary, and I was going back and rewatching a lot of sort of classic things, kind of reminding myself mm-hmm. of things. And dreams, it was a whole different experience. All of a sudden, it was like you said, it was wonderful, it was scary, it was sort of an experience, you know. And, yeah. and so I do have to say, like, if you are someone who's managed to catch Kurosawa's samurai films and Kurosawa's criminal or, you know, like some of his other stuff, more noir films, dreams might be weird for you. It might be a weird transition. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it almost seems like a, a very important culmination of his work in a, in a real way. I don't know that uh, I understand all of it, but that's you're not really supposed to, so that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And so it's certainly good. visually unbelievable. Just visually, I think it's unmatched. Yeah. I think is. it is truly one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. All right. Carp, Evan, when do you want to go next? I'll go, I guess. Okay, cool. Uh, I did 1949's Stray Dog. Which I don't I've know. never seen, it. seen it. Yeah, have you guys seen it? I have. In fact, I I watched it. I think I watched it on Hulu. Yeah. And then I bought it, but I realized when you said it, Evan, that the I I know I haven't watched it, and I for some reason I got it on DVD, mm-hmm. so now I need to get it on Blu-ray. Right. Because that's I'm moving everything over eventually. So to give me a little synopsis, what's it about? Uh, Toshiro Mufune plays a like rookie cop that hops a trolley, and all this takes place during like a blazing heat wave. And he, I guess, he's not like super. Um, he's not like aware of his surroundings or sure. like, yeah. you know, paying attention. And his pistol gets lifted from his jacket pocket. Whoa! And the whole film basically revolves around him and another detective trying to go through all this like CD underground of like post war Japan to get his pistol back and as they're doing this they're uncovering that it was like used into crimes, they're going through all of like the like the underworld of like, gun gun reselling and uh, there was one that they were they were like selling the guns but they were also renting the guns to criminals for use and they get them back by like taking their ration cards. Whoa. And this was done in the nineteen forties? Forty nine. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, though, all of his, a lot of his most influential movies came out in the 50s right. at a time. You know what I mean? So, like, I think it really feels like, I mean, I'm just looking at his IMDb right now. You start hearing people who are really talk about Chris Howard, Stray Dog is where they start. Right. Um, I've heard some people start 1948's Drunken Angel. Oh, uh, yeah. But, uh, but Stray Dog, I mean, that's really the movie where people are like, Oh, of course. That. Like he, so it what, certainly was his highest-grossing film up to that point. What is it about the movie that stays with you? What is it that resonates with you? I just really love like like film noir of that era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was also it's like a different take on it because like you're you're familiar with like the gritty of like 1950s American films yeah. where sure you know it's always like the private eye uncovering all the shit. But at least this one, it was like a different spin on it because it's like a almost do-gooder cop trying to get his gun back but also getting thrust into this world that he's never been privy to before and kind of like you kind of see yeah. throughout the movie his like perception on the world almost changes and gets mm. a little bit darker wow. yeah yeah and Tashira Mufune he's an amazing actor so what I, I can only imagine watching him go through that must be amazing 
Yeah, I mean, I gotta agree with Evan that it is very. It's a. It's such an interesting take on the noir, and it's it's also a movie very much about a sense of failure. Like, there's a lot of anxiety as he's looking for this and he's going mm-hmm. through. There's there's just right. there's the, like the feeling like right away where he thinks that he's gonna get fired because yeah. he lost his gun and he doesn't know what to do. So he's kind of like almost in a panic state for half the film trying to get this back. Wow. It, also it, pertinent today. Also yeah, totally yeah. relevant today. Yeah. Huh. Brutal. It's a it's it's it, it's a movie too that I think if you watch it in comparison to some of his other films, it shows his range. Like it's mm. um you know, for example, in comparison to Seven Samurai, Seven Samurai is a very sweeping film. Mm. Stray Dog is so um claustrophobic, it's very tight. It's very black and white. I mean, it's, you know, it's it, it, in a very real sense of noir. You feel that, like, yeah. sense of tension throughout the whole film. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, talking about Man, it, I'm like, watch yo, let's watch it. Like, I want to watch it. Like, right? <laughs> it's so intense. And to know, like, he made that, then right after that was The Quiet Duel, and then Rashomon. And, like, honestly, Stray Dog and Rashomon are so different, yeah. and yet so similar. Like, there's just, I don't know. It's, anyway. Right. Sorry. No. All right, Liam, go ahead. Your turn. So, um, it's interesting that you did Rashomon, or you did Stray Dog. Stray Dog. Stray Dog. Stray Dog. Yeah, fuck that. So, so Stray Dog was made in 1949. Mm -hmm. And then, as we just said, uh, in 1965, he released Redbeard, which was, like, sort of the end of his creative, most creative period. Mm -hmm. Between 1965's Redbeard and 1949's Stray Dog, every movie he made featured Toshiro Mifune right in some way except for one film 1952's Ikiru Ikiru and what's so funny is when I first saw it I didn't realize that but I do remember thinking like well that's funny uh, Toshiro Mifune's not in this and it's actually the only movie he made during this whole period <laughs> that didn't feature Toshiro Mifune but it does um, feature uh, uh, Takashi Shimura who is also in Seven Samurai he's mm. the uh, kind of organizing guy, you know, the older yeah. guy kind of gets everyone together. Um, and he's in a variety of other Kurosawa films, too, but um, that's where <laughs> I sort of, the first time I saw Kira, I thought, oh, it's the older guy from Seven Samurai, sure, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, so Kiru is an interesting film. It's a it's a movie, first of all, it does a few things that he doesn't do in other films. It has a voiceover. It has mm. a narrator. And the movie opens with an X-ray of a stomach in which you can clearly see there's cancer. Okay. And the narrator says, this is our protagonist's stomach. He has stomach cancer. And it's just such a dark way to start a film. I remember the first time I saw it thinking, wait, what the fuck is even going on now? Now, um, in the course of the movie, what we basically learn is that this character... uh, whose name is uh, Kanji Watanabe, played by, as I said, Takashi Shimura. He, uh, he's basically a bureaucrat. He's in the public service office. It's like the, the, or it's not public service, it's like public issues or something like that. And it's one of many offices in the Tokyo City Hall that are just a waste of time. They're just bureaucratic nightmare. Mm. He's the head of the office. And his life is just a waste. His He's, like, worked there for, like, 30 years or something. Yeah. Like yeah. And his, uh, the narrator lets us know that his life is meaningless. And it's funny because 
you could watch the movie without the narrator and say, well, his life isn't great, but it's not the... But the narrator's like, his life is wasted. It has no meaning. <laughs> he's basically a loser. Like, the, the, that's what the narrator wants you to know up front. Mm. And he slowly learns that he has this stomach cancer. And the movie is a depiction of what he goes through, which is, at first, he just sort of gives up, and then he slowly gets into debauchery and sort of, like, trying to enjoy his life. He becomes obsessed with a younger woman for a little while, but it's not clear that it's a romantic. It's just she's so alive and he wants to feel alive. And then finally he ends up with this idea of he's going to accomplish something. Mm. And then um, I know we were talking about not doing spoilers, but I don't give a fuck. So (laughs) basically because in in order to talk about it, you need to talk about it. So basically the movie, once he decides, this is what we're going to do. And what happened was early on in the film, this group of people came in to talk about in their uh, neighborhood there's a cesspool and the cesspool is so gross that the mosquitoes are there the water gives the kids a rash they're getting sick it's like a serious issue yeah and they just get pushed no one cares basically and he decides he's going to do something about this and to be clear this is an over two hour movie it takes him a long time to get there he goes through a lot of different stages but as it ends he makes this decision he goes out to deal with it then they jump forward in time he's dead and his co-workers are trying to figure out you know what how did he do this like what happened like how did he become someone who cares about something like there's this real confusion and they're sort of working it out and what you really see is honestly it is a moment that feels to me very religious in a certain sense and I have to tell you guys so one of the reasons I picked this film is that this was the first film I saw other than Dreams Mm. that was a non-samurai Kurosawa movie and I watched it uh, for... Oh, I guess Rashomon is also a samurai course, I believe. Mm. Uh, it's, at least a, it's at least a period piece. Right. Okay, I can agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it has people with swords in it. That's right. right. And I watched it when I was younger. So I actually took a uh, class when I was in seminary, but it wasn't at the seminary, it was at the university, called Religion in Modern Thought and Film. It was basically a philosophy of religion class. And so... We watched Rashomon as one of our explorations of post-modernity and the question about truth and how we know truth and whatever. We watched Akiru because uh, of something I think is very interesting, which is this. Uh, People often say that Kurosawa is like the most Western Japanese director. And it's interesting because we were talking about doing Ozu, which many people compare to Kurosawa because he was as popular but he was very Japanese. Yeah. And Kurosawa's not as Japanese in the sense of he's doing these samurai films that are very much like westerns. And mm. uh, I think in the sense of Akiru, what my professor wanted to suggest was that Kurosawa was influenced by Christianity. And that the end of Akiru, what we see Akiru go through is actually the stages of the cross. That oh. yeah, I don't know how much you guys know this, but or the stations. Wow. Right. So you know this like around Easter. No, the stations of the cross. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, like where, that. that's where it comes from. So no. <laughs> but do they owe us a living? Of course they. Of course, of they, course do. they fucking do. Um, <laughs> so uh, and uh, it's a Catholic thing. I don't know a lot about it, but you would basically go through uh, leading up to Easter these mm-hmm. moments in Scripture that are these stations of the cross leading up to the crucifixion. Right. And the way they tell the story. By the way, for those of you who are wondering, uh, the character's name is not Akiru. Akiru literally translates to live, basically. Right. And so uh, the way they go through a story, it's people recounting his life after he's dead, and they have these vignettes, and each one 
has like a struggle to it or a moment and they're filmed in this very almost uh almost as hagiography like this sort of saintly way and as they tell his story they're all converted they're all going to be now of course he also pointed out to us that though this is very influenced by christianity this makes kurosawa very western doesn't make him particularly christian for a few reasons one of which is that all, all, all of all the converts they're all fake the next day none of them are actually converted to Akira you know, they're, or yeah. converted to uh, Watanabe's way of life by telling his story they all have this emotional experience one guy is a true believer in Watanabe and all the others are like oh my god like literally by the end they're crying and they're saying we're going to change our lives and we're going to serve the people and blah 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 and then of course the next day the very next day only yeah. that one guy cares and everyone else is like what the, I was drunk what do I care <laughs> you know and so I, and, and so um you know, my professor was suggesting, like, that's probably what Kurosawa actually thought of Christianity is a lot of emotions or whatever. But the fact that it influenced the way he made the movie, that in fact, these are very direct references to the Stations of the Cross. Wow. And it ties, I think, in a very strong way to what you were saying about dreams. And I think it's present in Stray Dog. I think it's also present in Seven Samurai. And we don't really talk about that much that Kurosawa had a very strong class consciousness. Yeah. Now, that class consciousness is very Japanese in that it's related to Business. the cultural issues yeah. of class. But Akira is very much about saying, look, before World War II, there was an entrenched bureaucratic class under the emperor. And then after World War II, those same motherfuckers are still in charge. They're all getting much more money now than they did when they served the emperor. And it was creating a class difference. So mm. if you notice, the, the women who come in about the cesspool, they're poor. They're dressed in traditional Japanese clothing. They're not westernized at all. And as Watanabe gets sick and he, like, goes into all this thing where he's being debaucherous, everything he does is western. He goes mm. to a fucking jazz club. He plays uh, the palenka, the whatever machine. Yeah. He goes to a Latin. It, there's a shot of a fucking concert in a Latin hall, and it's Japanese dudes in the fluffy Latin. Like, they're fucking, you know, they're... Yeah, they're, mariachi. They're, yeah, they're ba- yeah. They, it's not mariachi. It's the fluffy it's, sleeve one, whatever that's called. I don't know. Meringue or whatever, whatever. Oh, right. But it's like that sort of music, and you're like, why are these Japanese people even playing Latin music right now? Like, it's there's this real feeling, but I don't think it's a critique of Westernism per se, but it, what you continually see in the movie is there's this fetishization of all things American and Western by these upper class people, and it's very much a abandonment of Japan. And it's very mm-hmm. much, even as it's abandoning the culture of Japan, it's a reaffirmation of the same class distinctions that were in place under the emperor. So it's Kurosawa basically saying, like, just because we wear suits and listen to jazz, nothing has really changed. We still yeah. oppress the poor. We still have this crushing bureaucracy. Literally, the bureaucrats by the end of the movie are saying, the, the whole point of my job is not to do anything. If I do anything, I'll be fired. Like, it's like a complete critique of capitalism in the bureaucratic sense but also an affirmation, because if, a, if Watanabe is a Christ figure, what is he a Christ figure of? Well, all he does, his miracle, that, this, that, that they can either believe in or not believe in, mm-hmm. is that by actually doing his job and being a faithful Japanese citizen in the most Japanese way, he can accomplish something. And all, what he does is he's patient. He reminds people of their responsibilities. Like, he doesn't, you know, get flayed and hung on a cross he just is good at his job. He's efficient. And just in being efficient, he does something that literally these officials are like, how did he even do it? It's a playground. 
Like, yeah. it's really not that big a deal. And he's just, it's, like, amazing that he even accomplished this. So, I really think it's this interest. I think, I, I don't think it's, I don't think either my professor or I'm saying that Kurosawa is unknowingly attaching to Christianity. I think what he's doing is taking something specific from Christianity to make us think of the idea of conversion and the idea of miracle and the idea of whatever, but putting it in a very social, civic con context mm-hmm. and saying, like, look, if we all stopped worrying about perception and just did what we were supposed to do, this society would actually work. Mm. That democracy and even bureaucracy could work if we weren't all just sitting around being like, well, I don't want to, oh my gosh, whatever. So Mm. something about that really got under my skin at the time. And every time I watch the movie since, I get emotional. And that the end scene of showing him on the the swing, swing, singing the song, I mean, I I watched it today and I got choked up. It's just (laughs) amazing, so... Anyway, that's that's my thoughts about Kira. I don't know if awesome. what you guys think about it or have seen it or whatever. It's pretty great, man. It's pretty great. Yeah. Car. <laughs> so I really have to go after that because Liam kind of... Sorry, was that bad? Kinda, no, you kind of nailed no, the entire no. Kurosawa thing on the head, though. I know. Like that it is. Even though like through every stage of Kurosawa filmmaking, it always has the conscientiousness of class. Yeah. yeah that's, that's like a central thematic thing. Look at Seven I mean, Samurai. From Seven Samurai yeah. to Dreams. Even in Dreams, when um, the one vignette is the guy who has the horn. And he says, you know, um, you know, nuclear fallout happened. And all the rich people like ran away to this place where they were safe. And all the poor people died because they're you know, surrounded by the clouds or whatever. And then the rich people mutated and became these monsters. It's very yeah. conscious of class. It's very class-like like focused. Do you right. get, I mean, it, I, I mean, I don't want to just say, like, that's my interpretation of Kiru, and it's the only, like, I don't know what you guys think of that movie, if you even like that, that movie. That movie's awesome. It, I mean, you know, it's a great movie. Okay. But the, the, the central theme of class consciousness is definitely, you, you definitely put a fine point on it for me. Right? Yeah. So, but Seven Samurai is, like, the seminal Kurosawa movie, which is why I think it's appropriate that you round us out there, Carp. So, bring us home, buddy. Let's talk about that a little bit. So I don't even know where to begin because I'm kind of just in awe at how deeply Liam was able to connect with that movie too. So it's like really hard for me to even know where to start right now. I feel, everyone's being nice to me and some, for some reason I feel like an asshole. I feel no, like this, no. This is the sort of thing so I should be good. going to therapy about because it's like, like, like I'm just like, God, why are people being nice to me right now? I was like, damn. I mean, I'm not Evan because he... I really like, should have gone like... Text my girlfriend, chill. <laughs> I really should have gone before you because it was so deep and moving that I'm like, damn. I thought I had a spiritual, well, not a spiritual, but like I thought I had connection. A, a connection to like Seven Samurai because I've watched it so many times and like it's it, everything about it is so good, but I don't have that same deepness. Dude, just do you, man. Yeah, I love it. I guess, I guess I should start with. You're not here because of Liam, you're here because of you, brother. That's true. Go ahead. Uh, I, I think I'll start with, um, if I've, I've read a lot about it, Seven Samurai, and one of my favorite stories about it is when this, um, the company that was going to put it out, they thought that it was going to be too expensive. Like, everything, every, all the scenes, they're all like, it's not, no, there's very little props. Yeah. They built every village, they did everything to like, for this movie, and every time this, the movie's true, would be like, no man, it's getting too expensive. Chris, I would just go, all right, cool. And then we go fishing until until they would agree. And then he would come back and film more. 
It's like, that's such a badass way to so dictate how to do business. No, man, I know that this is going to work, so I'm just going to leave for a couple days and let you guys sort this shit out, and then I'll come back and finish the movie. Um, I, I, there's just so many parts of it that I, I can't really start at. Um, I love the fact that we've been talking about Tashiro Mifune so much, and he plays such an important role mm-hmm. in the movie, despite the fact that he's not even the main character for the majority of it. Uh, Takashi Shimura, who plays Kambe, is is the dude. Yeah, he, he's like the main guy. He literally, they didn't even want um, Kikicho, who Tashiro Mifune plays in in their band at all, mm. which makes it so great. Um, actually, I don't even know where to go. I'm still thinking about what Liam had said, too, so this is kind of <laughs> bad for me at this point. Let me just jump in then while you're thinking about it and say the following. Apparently, I'm reading this on IMDb, Kurosawa's original idea for the movie was just to follow the day in the life of a samurai. Yeah. Or to have that day end with the samurai killing himself, which I guess uh, the only reason he didn't go with that is despite doing all this research, he didn't have enough information to make it, like, realistic. Which is funny, too, because if you... So we've all seen the movie. At the end, when Kanbei looks at, like, the, at his brothers that lived, and he goes... He basically was like, well, shit, I kind of really hope that we all died during this so we didn't have to keep going on. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking brutal man <laughs> like I never really thought that I would want to be in a battle and then live, like, I don't live, through, the, live through the battle and then like all my dudes die and it's just me and my three other my, the other two boys I'm like shit man I'm fucked <laughs> also according to IMDB uh, all of the seven major characters in the film wound up being based off of historical samurai whoa See, that was not, not, I didn't know that his original cause what, so his transition idea was to do a series of battles just make a movie that was just a bunch of battles, and then he thought that would be not great. And then he found this one anecdote about one time a village hiring some samurai, and from there he kind of went off. But, uh, yeah, and again, this is IMDb, so any asshole could have put this on here. Mm -hmm. But often times they do verify a little bit, and Mm -hmm. I think that uh, that's interesting. I think that brings back into the point your whole class warfare part two, Mm -hmm. which a bunch of people who were a village who really had nothing i mean they were basically going to get murdered by the entire band of bandits for not having enough rights for them and then having to hire a bunch of guys who pretty much were either drunks or fighter or people who just fought for money or whatever and to have them come in connect with the people and wind up saving their village and in the end having everything be all right when all the bandits were finally defeated is just you know, it, it goes so far throughout, I guess, even Japanese history at that point. Because you're right, mm-hmm. there was a giant amount of class struggle. This is actually personified class struggle, man. Yeah. yeah. This movie is actually just class struggle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it comes up it, it, it comes up multiple times in the movie. The difference between the villagers and the samurai. Yeah. The issues of food. All the, uh, the, the dead samurai weapons and all that stuff. Which is interesting, too, because post-war Japan was so... There was so much class struggle in there, especially with the amount of GIs that were living in Japan. Kids would get arrested for, like, buying surplus, like, military gear and, like, wearing it around or, like, starting to see what Americans were wearing in, like, Ivy League prep schools and, like, creating companies that would copy that and then they would get arrested for, like, hanging out wearing tweed blazers. Jeez. Christ. <laughs> which Brutal. is so 
Which is such a weird thing to think about. And to Liam's point, too, there there is a lot of that that showcased in there, and it's all pretty much kind of true. I mean, we you see that in House. Like, House is basically just two different generations of kids or people re uh, reacting to um, post, I guess, atomic bomb being dropped on atomic bombs being dropped on them. Yeah. You know, you have the, the younger carefree generation that wants to be to move forward and you have the older past that still hangs on and wants to keep things the same. Mm-hmm. I guess it even goes back into your whole thing with Christianity too. Mm-hmm. Is that like when the Portuguese finally went up, what first went over to Japan, they were like the first I think people actually do trade with them because the the whole country was closed off. Mm-hmm. And they actually kicked they wind up kicking them all out and closing their borders again mm-hmm. because of the fact that they were converting too many Japanese to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. It's crazy. That's why they did, did so much uh, trade with Denmark for a long time because Denmark wouldn't push all their religious beliefs on them too. Right. It's wow. like if you like the, the everything about their history is basically we're going to close our borders and we're going to do things the way we want to do it and we don't really want anyone to change it and we will oppress a lot of our people but we're kind of okay with that right now. And it still goes on today with like Dudes who work the same job for years in an office just typing away emails and, like, faxing things to other people to do things. Like, they don't move up, they don't move down, they're just, that's their job, and they take the train home and go to sleep. Salaryman. Salaryman. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there is so much class struggle going on in there, which is odd, too, because he didn't seem like he came, Corsair didn't seem like he came from that background Mm-mm. to do to be able to kind of resonate with that and he did a to really good job to reflect on struggle like this yeah and he did a really good job kind of conveying that and I guess we all kind of see <laughs> what I keep taking Evan's just take- microphone to say something and then I'm like no that's okay I don't need to say it I give it back to him <laughs> I, I was just going to say uh, uh, Kurosawa honestly his personal history other than IMDB just telling me he's descended from samurais other than that I, it's a mystery. I don't know anything about... I mean, I know his relationships with other directors. I know him and um, Tarkovsky were real buds. And uh, obviously he knew Scorsese and some other people. But like as far as like his background and how that influenced how he made films, I have no fucking clue. And again, this is a dude whose movies have like helped shape how I watch Star movies. Wars, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yet I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Was he rich? Was he not? Was, how did the war... I mean, he's, obviously his films are post-war films not just in the sense that they came out of the war, but mm. it's like such a force in so many of his movies. But how did it affect his outlook? I don't know. I mean, obviously, we've all identified a little bit of that class aspect, but I don't know if that means he had socialist leanings or if he was just culturally interested in it. I have no clue. Yeah, no, and, me neither. And I think we all kind of look at him because we know his movies as like samurai and like and shit like that. But we don't look at it on a deeper level. We kind of, I think, at least for me as a young kid, it's it goes hand, it went hand in hand with like those, uh, Sh- all, like all the Shaw Brothers movies. I'm just like mm-hmm. I'm just watching another like a different extension. Another of kung that. fu movie. Yeah, and then as I grow up and I start realizing that there's that there's so much more different levels in that style of movie, I'm just like, where was I as a twelve year old that I <laughs> that I couldn't have. Put, the, put two and two together. You're probably a 12-year-old. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, I should have yeah, known yeah. more, though, right? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely shouldn't be watching Kurosawa movies at 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, not a parent. There's no blood. Yeah, I guess him. not. You're good. Yeah. There's, there's Swords. Although, there was the scene when um, 
the one guy's wife threw herself back in the fire because she disgraced herself by going to sleep with the bandits, which is probably something you don't want all, like you a bunch of young kids to really have to wrap their head around. Yeah. She kind of disgraced herself. Kind of a bitter pill to swallow. No, it's a total bitter pill to swallow. (laughs) Mom, Dad, why did that woman just run back in that fire when her husband was there to save her? Well, it's a lot to explain right now, their little one. (laughs) All right, guys. So let's wrap this up. Well, I want to say two things. Right. One is, apparently this was made in 1954 just the same year that Godzilla was made. Oh. And apparently the co-productions of this and Godzilla almost completely bankrupted Toho. That, like, they just didn't have the money. And, in fact, they tried to shut down production of this movie multiple times because it kept going over budget. And the biggest delays on the film were the final battle because they just didn't have enough horses. The studio wouldn't pay for all the horses they needed for the final battle. Wow. So they had to keep delaying shooting to get more horses. Yo, it, it's crazy. it really rained too during that final battle. That wasn't like fake rain. That was, that like, was like real deal. It was like real deal, like a torrential like typhoon coming from the through. sky. Yeah, Evan, what are your thoughts <laughs> on Seven Samurai? Whoa! <laughs> yeah, that was the most succinct review I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> she was dope. Ranks, ranks right up there with the review of uh, Shark Sandwich. Shark sandwich. <laughs> Shit sandwich. Right. Was that a Simpsons joke? I don't get it. No, I'm just no, saying. No, kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, end of the day, final thoughts on Kurosawa. He's the dope. Dude, watch He's all of his movies. Everything that you can get your hands on, please watch them, and you'll... It's pretty awesome stuff. Pay attention. <laughs> we that, love them. That was probably the... I think the, the most part is, while you can watch any movie, I think it's more beneficial if you, like, actually... Pay attention if you get what I'm saying, and yeah, not just some like, shit you just like throw on. Yeah, like, throw on. like if you watch Rashomon and you don't really understand what yeah. Toshiro Mifune's character is like actually doing, then it's it's it just is like a guy screaming at a screen for 20 minutes. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. It's like you can listen to Jimi Hendrix. Well, but you can I also hear. I mean, I I do I do want to say like, and this happened when we went to that. Josh, you went to the screening of House, right? I did not. Oh, at the screening of House, one of the things the director of House brought up was... Yeah, when you were talking about House earlier, I thought you were talking about the TV show. Or I thought you were talking about <laughs> the horror movie. about that right now? The horror movie that stars the greatest American hero. Yeah. Uh, the director of Howzu uh, uh, pointed out that sometimes Americans only watch Kurosawa films and think that they get Japanese film. Right. And I think no. that... Kurosawa was essential for you as a film fan. If you are a at all a cinephiliac, mm-hmm. <laughs> cinephiliac. <laughs> if you're all interested in cinema, you need to see Kurosawa's movies. But please don't do the thing where you're like, oh, I've seen a bunch of Kurosawa movies. I get Japan. Yeah. No, no, no. I really do think that there is a westernness to his films. He was very that he's an outlier too. Yeah, yeah. And, and his films were different than a lot of yeah. movies, and they were very popular. Uh, it's interesting, Seven Samurai is because this is consistently voted, as well as Tokyo Story by Ozu, the mm-hmm. other movie we'll be discussing soon. Eventually. Um, yes. Eventually. Uh, those are often voted in Japan as the greatest Japanese movies of all time. Yeah. But when Seven Samurai came out, though it made a lot of money, critically it was panned. It was, it's actually considered one of the first like modern action movies because, it, A, it has a lot of action in it, but also, B, it was one of those movies that was like a crowd pleaser, and critics thought it was corny. Like, they did not like it. It was generally thought of as, like, 
meh, it's fine, you know, and meanwhile, now it's like, you know, one of the greatest, so, um, anyways, I just think with Kurosawa, uh, there's so much there, and I haven't even gotten to see, you know, like, I've never seen any of his films pre-Stray Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen most of his movies between Stray Dog and Redbeard, but not all of them. And the only thing I've seen, the only things I've seen after Redbeard are Kagamusha and Dreams. And there's a bunch of movies after that that I just have never seen. Yeah. You know? So um, even I, as someone who I, I think of myself as a Kurosawa fan, have not gotten to do it. So um, you know, maybe I could have watched Harold and Kumar go to White Castle a few less time, <laughs> uh, or Zoolander, right? Or uh, culturally stuff. I was going to say Monster Squad, but no, I can no. watch Monster Squad over and over. Still good. But Still good. maybe maybe watch some movie less so you can fit a Kurosawa movie in. Maybe that's worth it. It's worth your while. I think so. All right. So, uh, what's coming up that we are stoked on? What's uh, let's let's bring this episode home. What are you guys uh, hyped on that's coming up? Well, Evan already mentioned it, but let me let me really really uh, hit it on the head. Terror Weekend is uh, uh, coming up at the Mahoning. End of September. I'm, I'm like ninety percent sure it's the end of September. I guess I should look it up. But um, if you want to know, go to the Mahoning Drive-in Facebook and the Mahoning Drive-in. Uh, uh, website and it's our good friend Harry from uh, Exhumed and they're doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre they're doing Pieces? Pieces? I don't actually remember um, uh, Texas Chainsaw oh, Massacre I spit on your grave is the first night Oh I spit yeah. on your grave I know Josh is like yeah, not, not into, into it. it not into it um, but I just you know we haven't hyped it as much this year and I don't think that's because we don't like it as much, but we just haven't gotten to record as much, and I haven't gotten to go as much. But I do want to say, the Mahoney Driving is awesome. It's still awesome. Still have not been. Neither have I. Actually, so good. Okay, let's do this. Terror Weekend, Friday night is Twitch of the Death Nerve. Oh shit! Also that known as great. Bay of Blood. I spit on your grave. And Death Weekend. Death Weekend is great. I wish I spit on your grave. Wasn't that? Because I would just go see those two. Yeah. Then Saturday, October 1st, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Blood Spattered Bride, and I Dismember Mama. Whoa. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Pieces was the other one that, that uh, Exhumed did. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, so, hype on that. Also, um, this, I, I don't know if we're going to have this episode out in time, but this Thursday at the Alamo Draft House in Yonkers, they're showing um, female prisoner scorpion. Uh, the first whatever the first one is and Stray Cat Rock both of the first one's just Prisoner 701 yeah yeah yeah, Prisoner 701 Um, but basically two classic pinky movies with the same actress Um, Miko Kajin yeah she's great Uh, I I know not a lot of Philly people make it up to Yonkers but if you're in New York and you want to get up to the Yonkers I don't know I think that's worth it I might might try to go I also need to get my hair cut sometimes so I don't know if I'm going to do that (laughs) and then uh Evan, you would know more than any of us. Are there any other than that? We already said the uh, Angel Dust, Turnstile. Who else is on that show? Crime Watch. Uh, it's just a package tour. So okay. Turnstile, Angel Dust, Fury, oh, okay. Crime Watch, and Big Bite at First Unitarian Church. Yeah. Uh, any other shows coming up? Oh, we also said that Limper show. I it's November fifth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll we, be interesting. We're doing a show for Ignite soon, but the rest of that lineup is not set. I think that's in November. Okay. Billy Bragg's coming? At the end of September, it's insane. I'm seeing the Bronx. I'm seeing Billy Bragg, <laughs> Morrissey. Uh, well, Lush is playing the same night as Morrissey, so I'll not be seeing Lush. But, uh... Isn't that Billy Bragg's show in New Hope? No, it's a union transfer. 
I feel like someone is playing. Oh, I'm thinking of Dave Whaling. Never oh, heard. right, right, right. He's playing in New Hope. New Hope, of all places. Uh, Aspects of War is playing at Second Empire yep. on October 1st with Pollen. Speaking of Exhumed. That Pollen record's awesome. Yeah. yeah Speaking of Exhumed events, I kind of forgot about this, but September 17th, also at the Animal Draft House Yonkers, is Guilty Pleasures Marathon Part 3. Uh, basically, Yonkers occasionally hosts our friends from Exhumed up there to do a series of movies. This year it's Mad Doctor of Blood Island, When the Screaming Stops, Night of the Demons, Whoa. The Horror of Party Beach, Monsters Crash the Pajama Party, and a secret bonus film. Now, I'll let you know, usually when Exhumed does a secret bonus film, it's something you want to see. It's usually like a porno. No, <laughs> that's not true. Um, I'm trying to see what else is coming up. Oh, uh, Ginger Snaps is playing at the Colonial on the 4th of November. Yeah, I might try to go see that. That's Definitely going to go to that. Movie. Uh, uh, 922, friend of the show, uh, never been a guest, but should. Chris Reject. Should never be a guest. Hosting uh, Dyke Drama, Soul Glow, Bad Heaven at the LVAC shop. Um, nice. I got to support him because we still owe him money for t-shirts. <laughs> Um, Hammer on the Nails in No Time and Jeff Zick's band Sweet FA. Yeah, which yes, and yes. that is the same day as the Limpers show. Is it? No, it's not. Yeah, it is. The 5th? Yes, sir. Is it? I thought the Limpers show was the 15th. No, the 5th. Wow. Oh, I gotta go to the No Time show. I'm gonna be probably at both. Yeah. God willing. I'm only gonna go to the Limpers show, sorry. <laughs> uh, September 24th. The Phantasm Remastered event. Now, let me tell you all about this. Phantasm has a new 4K restoration. Wow. People I know who've seen it said it's amazing. Where is it? Um, here's the thing. It's a nationwide event. So it's going to be in all theaters. Basically, they're screening it at Fantastic... That's the weekend of Fantastic Fest. They're screening it at Fantastic Fest. They're showing it in theaters all across the country. Find one near you. And then they're going to simulcast a Q&A with our man, the director, wow. from Fantastic Fest. So he's actually going to be at Fantastic Fest. That's they're gonna amazing. Screen, they're going to project it to all these different theaters across the country. I'm planning to go to Colonial. By planning, I mean I actually bought tickets to the Colonial. So you're taking me? If you go buy a ticket, we can go, yeah. But um, <laughs> but it, it's also, I know it's at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute. I know it's at uh, some other places in the Lehigh Valley. And I think it's at somewhere, I think it's at the Roxy in Philly and a theater in Jersey. But I don't remember which one in Jersey. So if you go to the Phantasm website, they have a full list of where it's showing. Is the Roxy the theater that sucks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the uh, film oh, society. Go back down. Where's Bruharia playing? Oh, Bruharia is playing with Cow Decapitation. Underground Arts? And Eat the Turnbuckle at Voltage Lounge. Oh, Voltage. Oh, no. Wow. That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Satan is playing at Boots Hell on October 22nd. Oh, yeah. That that's sounds Very dope. Um, oh, when is this happening? Sorry, I'm like, oh, the town that turned sundown is playing at the Colonial you October know, 7th. Colonial's putting on some amazing stuff, though. I don't like that movie. (laughs) I like that movie. October 11th is the limited release of Shin Godzilla, the new Godzilla movie. Oh, right, the new Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. I'll probably go to that. Uh, Yeah, I guess that's it. Anything else you guys are stoked on you want to hype up? Shout out to Broad Street Breakdown. New episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I know they've never... They they only... You know, like, it's not like um, we, like... 
share stuff with them much but they're the homies though but behind the scenes they're like good friends yeah you know we we don't talk about them as much they don't like i mean i guess steve mentions this every once in a while but you know you wouldn't know it off the top that like oh we're buds but like steve delodovico is the man steven is the man og's the man og gavin is the man uh i i actually met Vinny. he's the man definitely the man i met pablo very briefly we didn't get to hang out though so i'm gonna say in theory pablo is the man i only met pablo at the judge show for a hot minute i met i met pablo at this is hardcore he seemed like a good dude but me and and og and Vinny hung out in the back and it was really funny because they know the dude who gave me my first punk tape in my life ever they like knew him so that i told them that story and they were like that's the weirdest fucking story like they were so stoked (laughs) yeah they're nice and honestly it didn't matter it doesn't matter even if they were jerks that's a really good fucking podcast it's one of my favorites (laughs) um yo october 22nd who's gonna take me to chicago for the race trade reunion (laughs) somebody please who the fuck would want to go to that i do also when did you say it was october 22nd yeah go see satan instead i literally don't care about satan and you like jesus no, one of those might be true, but it's not. It's not the reason you asshats. Um, and, and, and let's go ahead and say this: it's sold out. But you should keep an eye on the Harthon webpage to try to get or Facebook page to try to get tickets. I realized oh, yeah. that I wanted to go to that, but that's the same day as something else. Oh, I got one more thing too. Do it. Uh, October fifth through the tenth, I think, or sixth through the tenth. Sure. Sixth through the eleventh. Yeah. I'll be at the Jacob Javits Center with Shirts for a Cure for the New York Comic Con. Oh, so yeah. if you're there, come say hi. And um, I don't think I can get anyone in because it's like sold out to hell. Yeah. But I will put you in a suitcase. And stack you in t-shirts. I want to go to Comic-Con. <laughs> Why is that one box groaning and telling, saying it needs coffee? I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it's got glasses on. And, and let's do this. <laughs> and and let's, let's do this gimmick because we never do this till the end. Hey, you should follow us on Twitter. You should like us on Facebook. You should email us if you have any questions. You should and follow me on Instagram. You should look at us on Instagram. You should follow us on the gram. You should follow you should, Evan on Plenty of Fish. You should rate, review... <laughs> oh, my God. You should rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And please download. We get we get more credit from downloads than from anything else. So please, download, download, download. download. <laughs> we still, that was amazing. We still have t-shirts available, so go and buy some t-shirts. Uh, but yeah, like this this thing exists because of y'all, and so we want to we want to grow it. We want to start paying our writers. We want to uh, get better equipment. Start paying me. Yeah, yeah. Start paying Evan for being cool. I guess. Right. Yeah. You know, if you wear your shirts to work too, like your Cinepunk shirt, you can experience the greatness like I did, which is my boss coming up and going, "What the hell is that?" Nice. Did you tell him that I made it then, and then he was just like, "Oh, figures." Yes. God damn Amazing. Um, but yeah, like uh, uh, we should be doing that multiple times in an episode, but we'll just do it now. Please, those are all the things that mean something. And uh, honestly, just thank you for the support. Thank you for checking us out and uh, for all the love that we've gotten all over the world. There you go. Thanks all so much. over the world. All over the world. I only, I, I, only, Coast, I only say that because worldwide. I only say that because of Matt McCracken. He's in China and he listens, so that makes That's me so good. Every Thanks, time man. I look at the little like Google thing and it's like China. Wait, Burt McCracken. <laughs> Matt McCracken. Yo, from the East Coast to the West Coast, we gotta 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 go. Right. Fuck, I didn't think that was where you were going. That's pretty good. Okay, bye. Smoke bomb. Big ups. <laughs> <laughs>